My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast, a place for extended, in-depth discussions about the rebirth of masculinity happening around the world today. My guest this week is a husband and father of five, a former army ranger and elite special forces operator, a general contractor, triple entrepreneur, podcast host, public speaker, brother in Christ, and a friend. For my first guest of 2023 from the Life on Target podcast, please welcome Nate Spearing. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. In his book, Time Enough for Love, the renowned science fiction author Robert Heinlein wrote, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. When I first heard that quote years ago, I thought, for sure that's got to be aspirational. No man can possibly do all those things. But as I read it today, I realize I'm pretty sure I've seen this week's guest do many of those on his Instagram just in the past six months alone, including butchering a hog. As a general contractor, he can do a bunch of others, including designing a building, balancing accounts, solving equations, and building a wall. From his time at the highest levels of the U.S. military as an elite operator, he's probably done a bunch of others like taking and giving orders, planning an invasion, cooperating and acting alone, fighting efficiently, and maybe conning a ship. It's also entirely likely he's learned firsthand how to comfort the dying. Can he program a computer? If by that you mean a computer of Heinlein's age, 1973? Probably. For all I know, he may have already done so. Can he write a sonnet? Given the depth and breadth of his thoughts, which you're soon to hear, I have no doubt. And as a father of five, he can absolutely change a diaper, most likely while doing at least one of those other things at the same time. So here, ladies and gentlemen, and I do mean this, is the first man I've ever met who I can say rises to the high standards of Robert Heinlein. His name is Nate Spearing, and in addition to all of the above achievements, he's also the host of the Life on Target podcast, a devout Christian, and a blessing and inspiration to me in many ways. I've been fortunate to get to know him over the past few months as we've exchanged extensive voice notes on Telegram. So we decided to take our extended asynchronous conversation off that platform and onto this one. In our conversation, Nate and I discussed Christian women, the internet, and modesty, dishonorable Christian men, apologies and forgiveness, being loved by our wives, the power of postmillennialism, and treasuring your Christian heritage. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you 
This is a free podcast that takes quite a bit of effort to produce. If you'd like to give back, you can do so by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, you can find this episode on the Renaissance of Men YouTube channel, which you can access by visiting youtube.com slash at Men. And if you enter at Men, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram as well. This episode is sponsored by my 12-week Renaissance of Men mentorship. The world says masculinity is toxic. Everything the world says is backwards. That means masculinity is medicine. Keep listening to find out more or visit renofmen.com slash mentorship to view testimonials and read all about it. For a limited time until the end of January, you can use the code intro to get 15% off. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me as we start another year of the Renaissance of Men podcast. And for my first guest of 2023, please welcome from the Life on Target podcast, Nate Spearing. Hey, Nate, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to be here. Long time in the making. Absolutely. So we were just, we were just chatting offline. We just decided that we're going to pick up the conversation, you know, right where we were before we hit record. Um, so we were talking about men and their relationship to their wives and, um, and the relationship to putting their wives online, like showing off their wives on the internet, like, oh, look what I've got, or showing off the hotness of his wife through the internet, through social media for his own um, aggrandizement, right? And, um, and, how, and I think that's really sad to see, right? That a man would objectify his own wife in that way. Like there's a difference between like celebrating who you're married to and, and, and objectifying her to show off, look, look, I got the hot wife as an object. Right. Cause I don't think it's bad for a man to be like, I married this beautiful woman. I'm very proud to be with her versus like, here's her alone in a photo looking sexy. And I've seen some of those and it's, it's, it's a real tragedy to see for multiple reasons. Yeah. And I think that is ultimately where you start to see some of the differences between our worldview and other worldviews yeah. that are generally moralistic and generally have, you know, when we Christ in his way and the Christian order is reflected in nature. So any intelligent being is able to stumble on a vast majority of, of everything. The Bible yeah. says you're without excuse. When you look <laughs> at the sky, when you look at the symbiotic nature of agriculture and how we get our food and all these things, it reflects the maker and not the, the general maker that is found in every religion, the only, right. the only one, the mm-hmm. maker, the one that sent his son, fully God and fully man to die for our sins. So if you can be moral, you can be fiscally responsible. You can understand that human beings have value and worth and that your wife has value and worth. But, you know, Brian Silvey got in big trouble. This was his, his hot button thing, his tweet that went around the world, multiple millions that says, said, you know, Christian women, this is my paraphrase, but essentially Christian women, you sh- it's not okay to post immodest photos of yourself ever. Not yeah. to document your birth story, not to not to catalog your fitness journey, whatever. Mm-hmm. You you're supposed to cover yourself, you know. 
And okay. I mean, I can see the logic behind that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a pastor. And so he's saying, in my role as a pastor, speaking to Christian women, I'm seeing this as a problem. Okay. And, 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 and he was, and I've listened to a longer form kind of exegesis of this, but he's kind of gone into the Bible and, and looked at what parts does the Bible talk about as being uh, okay to show and where does modesty go? And this is ultimately, a, he did a principled kind of look and understanding of that. And I think it can be a hard thing for Christians to, this is something we went through a lot with COVID in our church is understanding mm-hmm. what's a principle and what's me taking that principle as a Christian before God and walking it out specifically. So the application right. of that. So Practical Brian Silva is saying, this is, the, this is the scripture I see that speaks to modesty. And for me, I'm thinking that means, you know, don't show your breasts. Don't show your stomach. Yeah. Don't show you know, don't show this much of, you know, from this part of your thigh or whatever, like this, let's, and that's him taking what's there and, and him taking his, the totality of his study and his experience and then interpreting it and then putting out a tweet in the dumpster fire that is Twitter. And then getting hotter. Naturally the internet takes that. But, but, you know, for me, I actually really like it social media this is how i i run social media down when i see a spicy tweet from a gal right there's a lot of this is this is the bottom line is men have abdicated men have yeah have have put themselves into fantasy football we've put ourselves into lifting weights we've put ourselves into Mm. excelling in the marketplace because Mm. those are are tangible things that we as guys guy are, are wired, we get excited about taking over those areas and getting better and testing ourselves against gravity. You know, you just did that with Will Nolan about that the barbell just being reality, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you can't hack gravity. Like as a man, I gotta contend against this. This there's a um quantifiable aspect to that. But these areas of how we lead in our homes, how we manage relationships with our wives, and even you know we have a dis- discussion about wanting to be kind of in the room with husband and wife and kids of these guys, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where you see who they really are. Give me five minutes observing a man with his wife and his kids, and I'll tell you who he really is. That's right. Because your, your kids are manifesting your flaws to the world or broadcasting your flaws to the world without maturity or inhibition. And <laughs> yes, and without filter. And so when they, when they see my kids acting that way, the shrewd man that understands how this all works is saying, hmm, see, Nate's son's a little bit angry there. I see he's not controlling that. To some degree, mm. that's me. You know, and me yeah. as a man in my household, I'm not ever looking at anything my kids are doing and saying, oh, that's from your side of the family, you know, like to my, to my <laughs> wife. 
other than in jest with my mother-in-law present. Sometimes sure, I do sure. that. Like, obviously. Sure, that's, that's fine. That's from the pittance. That's not a spearing thing. That came from y'all for sure. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be me. Yes. But I see in, in every, and my wife called me out about this two days ago. I was just like, I cannot believe. And she just looked at me and said, really? Can't believe that that's coming out of your daughter? I wonder what, where that came from, you know? And, and, uh, you know, and my wife knows, like my wife's not ever done that at church in front of anybody, you know, right. You would hope she can bring it straight up. And even as a man to not be, you know, you better hush yourself, woman. You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the patriarch. You can't speak to me this way. Just give me sex whenever I want it. That's, and that's, you know, that's how this works, you know, and just understand. So I, I guess bring that all the way back around all the way back around to social media is in a sense giving me that I can click you've tagged your wife in a photo I can see everything she's put oh. on Instagram now so if we got this spicy chick that's saying something about this online and there's a lot of women speaking boldly in the public sector right now on Twitter, on Instagram, in, in politics. Mm. And, and in, in a lot of ways, what they're saying is the truth. I'm saying, where are the men that are speaking this same way? And in some ways, whenever there's a woman saying it straight up and getting into this controversy, you know, there should be a hundred men for that women, that one instance of a woman. And, and the way that I see it is, they're, they're, these are the prophetesses that are being raised up mm. in the Debras and the Jaels. You know, those are the two instances that people in our tradition always come at me when I start to tell women that they need to take their traditional role. What about these, you know, and the Esther, <laughs> you know? So ultimately, when these public wars and these out in the open conflicts are being waged by women, it's an indication that men are weak generally where we're at right now because yeah. there's it, this, this has gotten to the point where we're having to hear it from the women. Where are all mm-hmm. my men at right now? You know, and that being said, I get to look and see, you know, when there's something spicy about, you know, why can't a woman be a pastor, you know, coming from a woman that's a, you know, divinity major at this oh. university. I can, I can go on there and I can find out about her husband. You know, <laughs> I, I got open source intelligence techniques that I've learned from my previous, you know, life. And I can find email addresses. I can find u- unique user IDs if I have to go to that level. And I can scrape the internet for that. And it's all been, you know, optimized to sell you stuff. I can find out mm-hmm. about this. And most of the time... I am never worried about that guy taking me in a fight. Just let me say that. Sure. You finally find a picture of this guy. You look at their family photos from the past. You see if he's written any blogs or any of that stuff. And you're like, oh, no wonder your wife thinks this. Because right. she's viewed who a man is and what a woman can do and everything based on her relationship and experience with you. And you've never shown her what a strong man looks like. And no wonder she's on Twitter barking about this and arguing with men about it, you know? And, yeah. and, and ultimately, in, in our way of things, like, of course, 
Like, why are you even responding to this girl? Like, just let her bark into the, into the void in some ways, you know? And, that, and that's a, obviously a wisdom thing. We're both on the internet. We both like to get in fights on the internet. Um, yeah. You know, we, we both like to get in fights in real life, face to face. And understanding in, in the way that the new world order uh, you can't, you know, Doug, Doug Wilson talks about this. You know, one of the principles of war is concentration and you cannot mm. be arrayed on the front in every way, every way and be able to offer a defense of that front or engage in, in a effective way if you're on every front. So every one of us as men has to pick the front, has to concentrate our resources in a certain, a finite number of places. And we need to do a better job of that, every one of us, you know, and Mm -hmm. relationship with each other and, hey, run this by my, you know, John Moody actually mentioned this last two weekends ago, that if something, there's a couple people in their church that are online, uh, people like do things online, John Moody's one of them. And if something particularly spicy is about to go out, like they've written something, they feel called to say it, they actually send it to their session. And the session mm-hmm. reads it. And, and I was like, man, that is really cool, you know, yeah. to think of that you can, re- you know, in my particular case, I think that would be six men. Uh, none of them, I think, under 50 uh, and, one, and two in their 70s. And if I don't think sending 500 words to them for feedback is worthwhile, I got a problem as a 39 year old or they're, they got, you know, but, and just realize like, man, I could actually get a, a 5% uh, improvement of my delivery on this or, you know, and, and just that how, and that's, I guess, something I've been working with the last couple of weeks is what does this look like for men in community with each other in, in the church? Uh, you know, there's hierarchies, there's a, a hierarchy of the household, me as a man being head of the head of my wife and and my children and in a military vernacular responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. And I can delegate authority, but I can't delegate responsibility. I'm going to answer to God for my wife and my children and the state of their souls. As a session, you are responsible for the flock and you will arrive. I was talking with an elder of a church this week. You will arrive at at the end of this and again, give an account for who you were a shepherd for and whether mm-hmm. or not. And it doesn't mean that it's what you knew about. Did you seek out and try to find it, you know, and what does that look like? And I'm bristling in some ways. I'm bristling as a 39, like, man, I don't really want to send that to these guys. Like this 70 year old dude's going to, he doesn't even know what he's yeah. probably never listened to a podcast ever in his life. You know, it's a podcast. Do I do yeah. that on my Nintendo? And, and the admonition I got from this other elder was like, hey, how would you have a dialogue with them and say, hey, this is a particular gift the Lord has given me. This is a particular spot that I feel like I'm supposed to concentrate my resources. Mm-hmm. And I think that I could do a better job with some, some uh, submitting that to you guys. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to hurt. But, yeah. you know, I guess bring that all the way back around to that happens in a microcosm in my household. My wife's got Instagram. 
my wife's got Facebook and my wife is interacting with other wives in the church that have Instagram and Facebook, you know? Oh man. And, oh, man. and I get to, I get the readout from my wife via her online, you know, interactions or just what people are posting. And, and it's crazy. People have no idea how, the, how much they're broadcasting their ignorance, how much they're showing their lack of understanding of authority, of principles of scripture, even just the Bible. They don't even read it. And I think that's critical for those of us Christians that want to win this culture war. You know, I was literally just listening to, there's a History of the Christian Church podcast, and, uh, and they're talking about how when Rome was falling apart, the Christians modeled a more excellent way. We yeah. modeled it with how we treated our women. We modeled it by our chastity. We modeled it by our, our you know, this is something you and I have both been going hard on, on the pain a little bit is just that understanding that um, sex is for a husband and wife. Um, whoa, whoa, bro. Slow down there. You're going to blow right. up everything, right? And, and even that we understand that when we practice the truth, we do it the way God said. We're not doing that as a smoke and mirrors to achieve a certain end state with the culture. Like right. I think evangelical, even jellyfish are like, look, we can stand up this facade a certain way and we can have smoke machine in our worship service and we can make it like a rock concert enough. That Flying they drummer don't voice. Real- yeah. And, uh, and ultimately like the guy, you know, host of this podcast is saying like, if our divorce rate is no better than the culture, right? are we really modeling a more excellent way? If right. you looked at the internet history of our teenage boys or our men who are yeah. really doing their darndest to model a thriving marriage for the one hour they sh- actually show up on Sunday morning, but, you know, when they're with their phone by themselves, what story is being told there, you know, and not realizing that wheat works itself out to everything. Yeah. And Doug talked about that. And that was one of the reasons why that was the hardest hitting thing for me when I'm in sin is I can't expect to do something privately and it not affect my sons. And 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 powerful. And That's when a powerful you, when insight. I, I have three boys, yeah. and I think that me masturbating to pornography isn't going to affect them in a in a terrible way. Somehow, I don't. You know, right. I don't. We're know. not separate. And, yeah, everything is connected, the, yeah. and and that you know that's the physical, the spiritual. It all comes back around, you know, and that could be one of the hard things that a lot of people in our circles, they don't want, they don't want to be hear about their physical physiology mattering. <laughs> no, you know? they really don't. I got many, many leather bound books, you know, I have a finely cultivated scotch palette, you know, mm. and, uh, I can, I can, I know how to slice the gospel up and, and fit it into these perfectly neat containers. Doesn't and, work that way. Yep. And you know, from world travel, you know, anybody that has seen humanity 
outside of the United States, yep. Yep. Um, you, you can understand that yeah. the principle can be applied differently uh, by a, you know, somebody in Africa or somebody in South America, and they still, them still be amazing brothers in Christ, even though it doesn't look exactly like, you know, and that's not to dilute it or water it down um, or, or make excuse for sin, but that there's just a zeal for the gospel and for, for Christ that, that just manifests itself differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so anyway, I guess it's, you know, all of that to say is, is I am doing anything I'm doing outside the home. It's, it's, it's useless if it's not supporting a relationship with my wife that is an example uh, to do it God's way is a better example. Yeah. And, and my interactions with my children to be such that people want to know what's going on there. And, and that's not even, you know, we, I am a second, we are second generation homeschoolers. And we've seen uh, the way that our parents' generations schooling and and things like that have worked themselves out now generationally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my guys I went to high school with, they're homeschooled their whole life. Their parents wanted to avoid the negative things, keep them out of the influence. What happened to all my friends when they went to college? You know, oh what happened gosh. to I went to the army, you know, and seeing now 20 plus years removed from high school, what are the fruit what's the fruit now? And my dad always used to say, you can tell um, a man by how his grandchildren turn out, you know? Right. And I think that that, and I go on that journey when, when people want to level a charge against Doug Wilson, when people want to oh, yeah. level a charge, let's, let's go, let's find your grandchildren, all of them. Yeah. And let's bring them on the carpet. And, and scripture talks about this. They testify to your faithfulness or not. And that doesn't right. mean you're going to have a perfect record because that's the other thing. I don't get to just, I'm going to follow these 12 steps of Christianity and it's going to equal all my kids' salvation. You know, like there's, there's a weird, there's a, there's a, I, I do believe I'm covenantal. Like, like I believe that it is my children's uh, faith as much as it is mine. It's not like you don't get to be a full-fledged member of this until whatever, but um you know, there's this, this belief is like, I do everything right. And this result happens. Um, we don't get a guaranteed result. No, um, no. And somehow God's knitting it all together. Yeah. I, I want to grab something that you said earlier. Um, because I, I love everything you said because it, it all fits together in this picture of like, what does it mean? I was going to say holistic masculinity. I don't like that term. Christian masculinity, I think is probably too specific, but this general idea of what it means to be a man. And I'm, I'm, by the way, just as an aside, I think I'm probably going to start moving away from using the word masculinity at all in 2023 and just start using the word virtue because I think, um, I think masculinity is, is morally neutral and, um, and because it's, and also because you can conflate masculinity with like toxic masculinity, but virtue is not morally neutral. And what we're not trying to make is, is masculine men so much as we're trying to make virtuous men. So maybe that's, maybe that's what I'll start saying instead of like masculinity as this thing. I think that was, I think the dialogue has moved on, but you said, you know, um, earlier on, where are the men? 
and then you talked about browser history and porn and all that stuff. And, and honestly, I, I think it's that so many men, they don't stand up because they're ashamed of themselves, mm-hmm. because they're carrying secrets. And that they know that if they were to stand up and try and speak truth, people would start poking at them in various ways. And that, and at some point they'll poke enough and they'll find the spot and take them down. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and whether or not that'll actually happen is another question, mm-hmm. but they fear that they're going to get up there and start speaking and be subjected to the mob who's going to start throwing shame at them, not physical force. No one's going to attack you, but they start throwing shame at them. And then someone will say something like, well, let's look at your browser history. And then the eyes go down and then it's like, you got him done off the field. Right. And this is a huge problem. It is a huge problem because it means that we have a world full of dishonorable men who are posturing otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right. And you and I were talking about the masculinity space just before we hit record and um, your impressions of it and and my experience of of many of the men. And um, one of the things that I was saying is that I've been very disappointed coming into the space full of men who benefited me greatly for their teachings to find that many of them are not who they say they are. Right. Like, and it goes beyond like use of pseudonyms. It's really easy. It's really easy in our social media age to curate what you put into a 60 second reel on Instagram, right? Like, let's just say mm-hmm. you're not even anonymous because there are lots of anonymous, you know, creators who don't put their face, don't put their name, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like different versions of men do hard things, you know, with some, you know, Greek statue mm-hmm. or something like that, right? There's a lot of that. But even guys who, even guys who, who they aren't anonymous, like, I'm going to show you what goes in this little tiny window, right? This is all of my life that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And we need men to step out of those windows and into the public sphere. But they're so riddled with shame because of what they're doing outside of that curated space that they can't actually stand up. And so now I think we're getting to a time where it's like, you know, women are they're standing up to talk. Like uh, Ian Smith from Attila's gym in New Jersey talked about this. He would do these giant rallies across the country, political rallies. And, um, and he's like, they're full of women. Where are all the men? And he's like, it's not that they're at work. Like these are on weekends. Don't say, oh, the guys are working. It's like, no, that's not what it is. The men aren't showing up. And I think a lot of it is because it's really easy for a guy to posture, hide behind muscles. Because a lot of guys do that. A lot of guys will put on the super fit body as a LARP for virtue. Yeah, get mad. Get real mad at me, internet. You know, because I've seen it, right? But when it comes to actually being a man inside and out, we have a real lack of men who are men inside. Because like you said, men are really good at keeping score. Look at my bank account. Look at my bench press, right? Look at my Bugatti. Mm-hmm. Right. But who are you when the cameras go off? Who are you with your wife and kids? Yep. Right. Who are you with kids in general or women in general? And the thing is, standing up on the public sphere with the cameras off requires you to be a man of integrity and a man of honor and a man who adheres to moral principles. And the only way that a man can be compelled to do that 
is through religion. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these atheistic men, materialistic men, you know, there's nothing besides the conscience that compels them. But if you don't believe in a God watching everything you do, think, and say, everything, why behave with any integrity until the world needs it? And then when mm-hmm. the world needs it, all these guys that stand up and posture, you know, and I don't mean to reference Andrew Tate with the Bugatti thing. It's just a thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want to make this about an individual. But until the world needs men to actually stand up and be something, you wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. But now with everything in ashes, men can't even stand up to women. Why not? Because we can't push back on their ability to shame us. Why not? Because we don't have honor. Why not? Mm-hmm. Because no one taught us to be honorable. Why not? Because no one had a framework to teach honor. Why not? Because religion was destroyed and accountability, transcendent accountability was destroyed. And when, and when you and I try and push this on the Christian men we know, what happens? They get big mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boom. Yep. And so now here we are sitting here. And I had, to, I had to say out loud and realize the other day that modern American evangelical Christianity is a faith with a broken spine. Hmm. <laughs> and how is, yeah. how is a Jewish kid from Phoenix, Arizona, the guy who's got to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, who hasn't like, been here that long. I've been here you know? two years. <laughs> well, and the thing is, 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 is the, the gate holders, or, or if you will, the gatekeepers... Will just be like, well, you don't understand. Will this is political? The church is political too. We really need to try to craft this message in such a way that the most men will resonate with it. No, that's the not most exactly. men will will we we you know we we have to minister to all kinds. You know, we have to be you know, and somehow, you know, it's like I got a Bible over took, there. We can look. Yeah, if we took out, out all the aspects of, I mean, I mean, the Bible does talk about there being milk and then quickly getting past that phase and get to meat, right. you right. know, because meat's great, you know, steaks are awesome. And so mm. we want to keep feeding milk, you know, and oh, it's homogenized and it's, you know, stripped away. It's the milk that you buy at the grocery store. It's not the stuff straight out the udder that my family and I drink. You know, oh. that's the other side of it is we're giving them, we're giving them, giving them non-organic skim milk from Walmart, mm. let alone raw milk. Cause that could actually be something. And then steak and understanding. I mean, that's, that's fresh in this culture today, right now. Like the food, the food thing, the church yeah. has been doing that and you're going to have spiritual soy boys when you're not Ooh. giving them steak, Ooh. you know, tell them. Spiritual yeah. soy boys. Ooh. Yeah. And that's what's that down. Let's, it's it's literally gonna be a church that has man boobs and is saying, We're the yes. way, the truth, and the life. Come on. Get yeah. some of this soy in you, you know? And <laughs> and then those of us that are like, man, that diet doesn't seem like it's working. It hasn't. The, 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 the sermons that you're preaching are soy. And it doesn't seem like, you know, that it's manifesting itself fruitfully in the congregation, you know. 
and and we yeah. we have uh it's very and, and I think the reason why a lot of guys get triggered because I can sit here and say you're fat and then what that guy that's that's fatter than me says is oh well but Nate make a list of something that I do better than Nate. Um, and so then everything Nate says to me is Nothing. wrong because oh, yeah. Nate isn't better than me on this one thing that I have elevated in the faith to being the thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. we, we talked about shame and shame is, is, has zero power over a man who is has a pure heart before God. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, um, my pastor mm. did a sermon on this. You can look at a Psalm that David wrote after Bathsheba and Uriah. So, Whoa. and he says, search me and you see my heart and you know that it's pure. Like, and I, I can't remember the exact way that it's phrased, but the whole sermon is like, how can David write this Psalm to God after he has murdered and practiced adultery and lied and all this? How can he write this before God? How can he say, and, and I was talking about this with the guy that works for me right before, it's because he's not a hypocrite. Right. He's acknowledging how bad that is. He's not mm -hmm. trying to make excuses for it. He's not mm -hmm. trying to color it a different way. And, and that's where you don't have shame is when mm -hmm. you fully are, are acknowledging the severity of what you did. And then you understand that that has already been forgiven for those of us in Christ. And so mm -hmm. the power that a man is going to render against me in this world is always going to be subservient to the verdict Christ renders or, or the verdict that the heavenly father renders on me because of Christ's blood. Mm -hmm. And so if I really am, and that's, and that I think is the Christian, you know, self-worth that is there and the screw everybody else in a sense. Like I love some of the, the, the articles I have a um, book called ignore everybody. And, and even in my, um, my military career, I actually didn't start to really excel until I started to just realize that my, my gut and my instincts worked really well. And I needed to mm. stop running that through my superiors filters and I needed to just do it. Yeah. And that running through it through someone else's filter and trying to interpret my actions and how is this going to happen equaled me watering down and a delay and a lack of confidence and even getting counseled by my leaders that you don't, you know, like, you know, and I'm like, I'm literally trying to be a subordinate here and do what you want me to do. And you're mad at me because I don't have confidence. So what I did was say, screw you. I'm going to mm -hmm. act. I'm going to, I'm okay. going to go for this. And so I think that, um, those guys that are afraid of shame have not fully had the conversation with their maker they need to have. Yeah, they have not. And the, and, and the reason why is most of them aren't Christians. 
So the worldview that there's only one way to be free from shame, and that is righteousness of another imputed to me. And there's only that one other, you know, and he was fully God and fully man or else it was worthless. He wasn't just a good man. He was God. He went to hell Mm -hmm. and back. You know, Mm -hmm. you and Will just talked about that too. Hell and back for you, you know. And if you understand that, there's no shame. Because How could there be? The creator sees every single thing that you've thought, that you've said, that you've done, and it's okay. Now, at the same time, that's not okay to keep on sinning and making this grace cheap. And that's, I think, where you and I get so fired up is you have the worldview, at least on paper. I know you've been a part of this for a while. Why are you still so fat? You know? <laughs> That's going to make it Why incredible real. does your wife look like she just got pulled out of the washing machine and she's haggard and tired? And because oh, yeah. you're probably not helping out around the house. You're probably yeah. putting your feet up on the ottoman and wanting a beer. And, you know, Michael Foster just reposted something he posts every year about this belief that you get decompression time as a man when you show back up to the house. And and Ben Merkel talked about on my podcast how he would prepare for coming home Hmm. and he would pray in the car and it would be a deliberate spiritual practice that Mm -hmm. I'm going to enter this house in the right frame of mind. Hmm. And in my mind... Hmm. We say this to break the day down this way, eight hours at work, eight hours at your primary job, which is provider, husband, father, disciple of, of children, protector of your wife. You know, that's the other full-time jobs. That's another eight hours. And then you can sleep seven and a half, eight hours. So if you literally develop a mindset, I work 16 hours a day and I, I work out as part of that so that I have stamina and I have energy and I can go for 16 hours doing the work and I get seven and a half hours sleep, eight hours sleep. Um, and I do it again. And, and I think that that, that post industrial revolution mindset of I'm the breadwinner and I go off to the factory and I work eight hours. I sell my time as an employee building some other corporation's productive property, I never have my own productive property. And I come home tired because I was, and in this day and age, I was under a fluorescent lights and no sunshine all day. And I don't work out and I'm eating soy. And I'm getting soy preaching on the weekends and I'm exhausted. <laughs> soy you know? preaching, yeah. And there is a fix for that. Mm-hmm. And it's behavioral and, it, and it's hard. And guess mm-hmm. what? This is a war and wars are hard and wars are permanent in the spiritual sense. They're infinite. Yeah. This is serious business, y'all. And I don't get to coddle any part of me that isn't being an effective soldier. And that optic of me having been in real 
real physical war yeah. and seeing how that manifests itself, how my lack of physical ability or technical capacity with firearm or whatever these things are, or lack of communication or all these principles of war in actual real war, and then extrapolating that to the spiritual space and being like, like, you know, you keep saying that the weapons of this world or the weapons of this war are not carnal and they're spiritual, but then you're, you're not wielding them yeah. in any capacity. And you don't really believe that you're almost kind of saying like, it's really for me, as I hear people say, it's not of this world. And so therefore I don't have to worry about it. The Ugh. angels got this. Jesus got this. I just have to hang out here until second coming. If I got a big enough bunker and enough freeze-dried food, I'm pretty sure I can make it till Jesus comes back and, you know, and works itself out in an eschatological, you know, es go ahead, help me with that one. Eschatological. Your eschatology. Yeah, there you go. Your eschatology matters yeah, and, and runs back to how I'm living here and now. And that is even some of the problem there. Like the I'll fly away, oh glory, eschatology, and my work doesn't matter. But even in the sense to say, like, it's actually what they say in Gladiator is probably a little bit more true. Right. You know, brothers, what we do in life echoes for eternity. Do we believe that as Christians? Are we saying, oh, no, that's a, some you know, pagan you know, thing that Hollywood got wrong, you know, and we write it off and we go back to fantasy football and, you know, honey, bring me a beer. Don't you understand how hard it is burning all this bread to pay for this AC coming out of the thing? And even just that mentality, my wife helped cure me of this really early, this mentality as parents that our kids owe us something for being their parents, you know, like in a sense, like I yeah. paid for your, your clothes and I paid for this and I did this and you're letting out the AC air that I paid for, you know, yeah, like it's not my privilege and honor yeah. and responsibility to God and that this is not our house. This is our life. This is, I get to do this. This is right. a privilege and an honor. And you're in this guilt trip that we give our kids. And we, and that's a manipulation tactic to try to get them to do what we want them to do. It's Instead guilty, yeah. of truly wanting them to walk out their life before God. Yeah. And in the reality that I'm going to transition my sons and my 13 year old very, very closely almost there. We're brothers in Christ before God. You know, mm -hmm. I'm your father, but yeah. Jesus, our elder brother, and, and we are both going towards the cross. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and this is becoming, has to be your faith. I mean, having these discussions with my kids now is, Hey, um, I have told you the truth about regulating your emotions. I have told you the truth about how you treat, treat other people. I have not always modeled that correctly. And, you, and I've apologized to you. We had to have a talk on the way to church about repentance and, say, and, and making restitution. You're not uh, hiding it. 
because of, because you're ashamed of it. You're literally saying, I realize the way that I acted was not the way God has prescribed me to act. And I realized that that touches every one of my relationships. It was, my kids were fighting about what seat they got to sit in on the way to church, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, every seat is leather in daddy's suburban. Every seat has its own vent of conditioned air on this 23 degree day. Mm. any seat probably in the scheme of things is, is a good one, you know? And I oftentimes like say, I wish I could make you ride on the roof, you know, like, mm. like this, this, there's not a way to demote you out of this car. We're in it together. We're on the way mm. to church. Um, you know, you don't, you don't get to, to treat your siblings this way and then waltz right into Sunday school with your, your friends. And unless we can, get some genuine repentance, you're out of fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And, and, and I'm not telling you, you inconvenienced me by fighting. You inconvenienced your siblings. Like this is sin. This affects your relationship, you know? And then the, the one, and I said, and that's why dad has to repent in front of all you when he treats your mom inappropriately. Why well, I have mm-hmm. to repent to everybody that was in the room or heard me talk to your brother that way. I am not, I don't get to hold on to that. I don't get to say, I just need five to 10 minutes to just, you know, let my ego subside enough to the point where I can be humble. Like I actually model humility now. And the faster that I can model humility and the faster that I can repent, the more that works itself out in our family culture. And, And you're not sitting there. Um, and my, the, my pastor's son works for me, and he said in his highest type times of rebellion, when he wanted to throw it all off, he couldn't because he knew his father believed it all the way. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is very hard to do, and it's impossible to do, but the, the saving grace is that that repentance, that acknowledgement of something bigger than ourselves very quickly, publicly, and even just for those of us that want to be in the culture and be leading, there's going to be times if, if the Lord chooses to grow our movements where we're going to mess up. Something's going to come out. We're going to have to handle. And even in those moments, how we handle them point to the Father because mm-hmm. that's the only way that we get through this. Yep did it wrong. It hurt these people and mm-hmm. should have never done it. And it was a mistake. And guess what? I've already actually apologized to all of them. They already right. know. I got ahead of uh, it. So, so you, it's, yeah, like, and, and it's powerless over me because of Christ. Right. Yes. Um, not because I am, uh, uh, a narcissist and don't care what you think anyway, because I can't comprehend anything outside myself and screw you, which also masquerades successfully, I think too, just like, screw you. Like, yep, did it. You know, uh, you Google pictures of her. She was hot. You would have done it too. You're actually jealous of me. Suck it, you know? And, and so that, that is not, how that get and and then men flocked. And I think that's like kind of the masculinity culture side of it too. Is the secular ultimately, one, yeah. 
ultimately, yeah. And why you're not going to use that word anymore. You know, we're not, okay, fine. Take that word. We're going with virtue, you know, virtue, virtue doesn't say, yeah, she was hotter than your wife. I would have done it, you know? Yeah. Like that's not virtue. Um, and, and it, it, it was never okay. And it's not, and that's, you know, Toby's talked about this. Do you really want to get rid of your porn addiction? Like all the way down to the core, really want to get rid of it? Or do you want to keep it on the back burner in, in dire straits? You know, this is, this is going to be the nuclear option that I go with. And thank goodness I'm not like that other guy that's every day. And it's, it's monthly for me, you know, and I'm, I'm way better. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, Men have just this capacity to pivot around and to restructure things. And that, that goes along with our ability to, to assume risk, to take a leap, to go after it. Is, is, that's the dark side of it. You know, it, we can manipulate all these things that are good and that we could use in our own power to obfuscate our own sin and to hide from certain things in our life when the freedom from truly having a pure heart before the Lord and what that enables is, is infinitely powerful in ways we don't even understand. Um, and, and when the culture sees it, you know, they can't, they can hate it and we can't expect it. It's like, Oh yeah, I, I want to say the sinner's prayer now because you, I, you, you handled that so appropriately. Like it probably is going to end up Problem being solved. so many people still hating you. This is not ever about how many people are going to like it, how many people are going to get saved if I do this. This is about my heart before the Lord. And that's it. Yes. Men don't get that. They Mm -hmm. don't understand that. Like they like and 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 it's kind of it's kind of baffling to me that men they'll look at it. And they'll run the calculation. Well, how many people is this apology going to benefit? It doesn't matter, right? Like, or what am I going to get out of it? It doesn't matter. You do it because it's right. Because it hurts so much to live out of integrity that you don't ever want to be there. And, and yeah. that's the thing. And, and I, but the thing is, I don't think most men, Christian or not, have ever actually known what it is to live to live in integrity, to actually be there for a moment. Because mm-hmm. that's something that I personally that I fought really hard for. Like I had to go through a lot. Like that's one of the biggest things that's changed that changed in me was actually fighting for a clean heart. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Um, because it was before I was Christian. Like I, I fought mm-hmm. for that. Like there's something I, I did um these two secular trainings called the landmark forum. And as mm-hmm. part of what you do for the landmark forum, they're very much about interpersonal communication. They're very secular, but I don't think they're anti-religion. Like mm-hmm. I, I, thinking back into the, the the worldview grid that they have is um, is non-theistic. I don't recall it being actively contradictory to Christianity. I could be wrong, but regardless, what um, what they what they part of the training is that you if you have anyone in your past that you have a broken relationship with, you're supposed to call them, pick up the phone and call them. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up the phone. I did over two or three trainings. I picked up the phone. I'm, I must've called 10 or 15 people, like mm-hmm. close friends that I was really close with. 
and like uh, apologized for things that were bothering me. It was gut-wrenching. It was gut-wrenching to dig up mm-hmm. stuff from the past that only I thought that I did wrong. And they're like, oh yeah, that's no big deal. Like, but thank you. It's like, that mm-hmm. didn't matter, right? It's like, I had, to get, I had to get that out of my heart that it bothered me in addition to a bunch of other self-work that I did and, and all this stuff. And so I got to a place where I could stand inside my own heart and feel good and know that I'm like, I'm doing the best as can be expected a man. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect man. And I hope no one ever holds me up. And I hope I never come across as holding myself up as a perfect man because I'm not. I struggle every day. Every, I mean, everybody does. Welcome to being a fallen human, right? But to know within myself that as I, as I search my heart, that I don't have anything in my past that I can think of. And I look, it's like, gosh, I should really sort that out. It's like, no, mm-hmm. like I make mistakes. Like, oh, I don't like how I handled that. What is it that bothers me about that? Oh, okay. That's what I did wrong. And then I pick up the phone. And I say, hey, you know, I had to do it like twice this past summer. Hey, I finally figured out there was something that was bothering me about this interaction. I didn't behave in alignment with my own principles. And this is why, and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I just do that. And this isn't, this isn't like a bragging thing. This is a spiritual practice because the ability to sleep at night with a clear conscience and to not have hounds in my head barking at me from the past about the way that I handled things or the recent past or at all is like, it's a priceless gift, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a priceless gift and it helps, it brings me closer to God. It helps me feel closer to God. And I'm hard on myself, probably too mm-hmm. hard at times. Mm-hmm. But, but when we talk about what it means to be a man, and again, I want to really make sure that I'm not like, holding myself up in any look at me kind of way. Like this is, you know, like if I were, I'd be saying like, I'd never do anything wrong. You know, it's like, no, I do stuff wrong all the time, but I care about cleaning it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of men, they don't, they don't want to go through that discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I, I, I hate that I'm good at apologizing. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that it's something that I've had to get good at. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, you know, shit. You know exactly <laughs> what it's going to feel like, and it never exa- feels good. And it never feels good. And ne- mm-hmm. it, it's like I don't like that I could probably write fifteen hundred or a thousand words about how to do an apology. Mm-hmm. I don't like that I've had to do it that many times. But you know mm-hmm. what? Like, praise God, praise God, because it's not about you know, like, what would I do? How is this going to benefit other people? It's like no, it's just about my relationship with God and my relationship with myself and my relationship with other people. And if no one ever hears about any of it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, ultimately, at the end of my life, I have to stand up naked before God and say, you know, did I, did I, did I, do, my, did I do my best? Did I, did I listen to my conscience? Did I try and behave in accordance with the law that you've inscribed within my own mind and heart? And this is what I tell guys about moral law. It's like, oh, you just do it because a book tells you. I'm like, no. No, no. Moral law is carved into the fabric of reality like stone tablets, right? Mm-hmm. It's written inside your mind and your heart and your conscience. And then mm-hmm. God told you in a book. It's mm-hmm. all, you have three places. There's no yep. excuse. That's just the final confirmation. You were yes. feeling it yes. all along and it's there. That's why somebody like Jordan Peterson can spend all this time and all these different philosophies and, and read the book and say, it's everything. It's the sum of it all, you yeah. know. Uh, and and, <laughs> and, and why would it, it not be? 
and still not believe it. That's the yeah. sad part, you know? That's yeah. Um yeah. and and I think that we touched on a bunch of things, but you know, people that are bitter are mad at other people for stuff they did to them. And yeah. that can eat you up. Now, what is the responsibility for a, a Christian who has been wronged? The hard part about it is, is, is there's the, you love anyway. It doesn't mean you go confront them. I'm mad at you for doing this thing. And so I'm going to let you know I'm mad. Sometimes maybe. Sometimes you have the blue chips in the bank. The relationship is at a certain point where you want to bring it up and you want to talk about it. And even most of the time that we've done that, you realize that the way you framed it is not the way they framed it. And they actually didn't mean it that way. And you just put the worst interpretation. You're, you're judging your actions through the most favorable light and you're judging their actions through the most unfavorable light. And I do this through, to my wife. You know, the sure, closest relationship do. I have. And, and so, you know, and that's one of those things where in marriage, it's like, okay, if there's anything, and I, I made my wife do this because she was an introvert and she would, you know, just bottle it away. Like, I can tell something's going on here. I got to, you know, the, the wise king searches it out. You know, I am in this, I can tell. I got to bring this out. This is a very key relationship and I'm going to, I'm going to go searching for this and we're going to sort it out. And most likely it's my fault and I got to apologize for something I did. It's not your fault. You know, that's, that's in my, in my best frame of mind. Worst mm -hmm. frame of mind is you did it again, you know, <laughs> keeping record of wrong, mm -hmm. worst interpretation. And that's not ruling well in your household. That's not in, in, you know, when it, you find that out. It's like, I did it again. I put the worst interpretation of it. You know, that's terrible. Yeah. The other side about forgiveness is not, it's even, you know, I had to do this recently because I kind of snapped at my wife um, at church, you know, and just kind of was in this, there's stuff going <laughs> on. It was, it was dynamic. You know, I was just like, hey, you know, like, yeah. and that's, that's not leadership. That's not, in, you know, and to have her say that's embarrassing, you know. Like, right. cause that's not who you are even really like, you don't do that to me that came out. Um, and how, how do we, um, how do we resolve this? And I have to go back to a guy that maybe didn't even realize it and say, mm -hmm. Hey, the way I talked to my wife then was not okay. You know, Oh, I, it's not like why well, I can, you can rationalize. Oh, he probably didn't even notice I'm off the hook. You know, it's like, no. I value my wife. I, I felt this way. I, it was wrong, whether you noticed it or not. Like it's worth coming up and saying that to you and apologizing for how I treated her. And it's even because of, of, I wronged somebody else. Like you saw me do it. It's not okay. And, and, I, and forgive me for that. And right. tell my wife, hey, I went back. I acknowledged it. I acknowledged it to you. I acknowledged it to this other guy that heard it. And, and that's, that's how you get your wife to, respect the dang thing you say is because when you're wrong, you admit it, uh, you know, and that yeah. even that's ingrained in pop culture, you know, I'm never going to ask for directions. I'm never going to say, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm never going to say you're right. Uh, I can't, you know, but that's everyone, everyone that you know in life that is a leader that you respect 
has the ability to say, I didn't, I don't know. What do you think? You know, and even just these, if masterful business, you know, men in, 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 um, in, in boardrooms is more just the ability to draw out the strengths of everybody in that room and fuse together a complete picture. And, and even just what's really cool about even where I am family wise is I'm starting to be able to ask, you know, my younger kids, what do you think? You know, Mm. um, you know what I'm, you know, and even just talking with my daughters and my sons, how can I do a better job with this? How can I help you with this? You know, you're struggling with this. And, and I responded this way and didn't seem like it went well. And, you know, obviously we both agree this is something that is, is, is sinful in your life. And I'm supposed to help you with that. Everything that I do should be helping you handle this. It's not because daddy wants it to be inconvenient. It's because daddy wants the best for you. And what's best for you is God's law being lived out. And, and I don't know, like, this is the first time I've had a 13 year old son. You know, this is the first time I've had a 12 year old daughter. Like, this is the first time that I've been married 16 years. This is the first time, like, it's okay. And guess what? There's people that have been there before and it's okay to ask that, you know? And I think that that's the other side of, of relationship that you neglect when you don't let people in to those dark things. And you and and this and the evil one, the father of lies, the other side of the patriarch coin. You know, Michael Foster says you're serving a patriarchy. One, one is one way or another. One is one is the father of 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 everything, the father, and the other's father of lies. And so, when the father of lies is saying, "Nobody can know about this," you know, if they find out, then you'll lose it all. You'll lose your marriage. You'll use this, like in all these consequences and the gospel says, you know, damn the consequences. I sinned. I confess there is forgiveness from the father and the fall. There is going to be consequence potentially, but, and, and the reality is, is, and I, I saw a clip from some guy on Instagram the other day is when you say something like that, when you acknowledge it, not in a fake way, you know, like find the most convenient sin for an illustration in your sermon or the most convenient thing for the podcast. But when you're able to, in a small group or one-to-one, bro, I'm struggling with this, you know, um, or even then be able to perceive because you can detect a change in somebody and you can say something's going on here, you know, and you can say, what's up? You know, and then, then you can tell by the response that they're papering over something and they don't want you there. And you say, Mm-mm-mm. you know, with, with your wife, with other men, you say, no, nah, we're going here now, man. And you know me. Yeah. This is not me. I'm not trying to get a bigger stick to hit you with because I'm afraid you're getting ahead of me in life and I got to make sure I knock you back. No, I want the best for you. And it's the best for you is never a conflict with me. Or it's, we're all going to the heavenly father. There's not, I'm not trying to get a piece of your pie or my, like just that understanding of God's economy that when we all put away sin, we benefit. And 
And, and so I want sin out of your life because it's, it's poison and it's, and lies destroy your relationships. And I can tell something's going on and, and, and have a relationship where they feel like they can talk to you about it, right? you know? And, and even then just this be like that, we get to get a small affirmation from a relationship on earth of what has already been pronounced by the heavenly father. You know, that mm-hmm. weight, you know, we talked about your baptism on my podcast, mm. you know, that reality that there is some this supernatural power and it's in Bunyan's, you know, the, 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 the stuff falling off of him and rolling down the hill, you know, mm-hmm. and that weight being lifted off, uh, yeah. is, is just, it's supernatural yeah. and, and it, the sin doesn't have power over you unless you let it, unless you believe a lie. And if you, if you, if you combat that lie, it loses its power and it's so counterintuitive and it's against our, our flesh, you know, and sin full nature that is, that we have, but it's just, you know, how can, how can I be repentant and still have a wife that respects me? How can I mess up? Like, guess what? She knows you. She knows you're a son of a gun already. Like you show her that every dang day. Um, so just well, don't be the son of I want to, I want to, I want to jump in on that. Like, mm-hmm. again, I'm not married, not a father. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. the one, I, I hear this a lot from, from, from married men and, mm-hmm. and it shows up in different ways. Like she knows you're a son, of, a son of a gun every day. And to me, that rings in my ears a little bit like she's my better half. Slightly mm-hmm. different, some, slightly different point on the scale, but similar. It's like, mm-hmm. of course, she sees she sees your your shadow, she sees your failings, but mm-hmm. like, there's also a, sometimes a lack of acknowledgement of like, she sees and loves and honors and treasures the amazing things about you, mm-hmm. and like you as you as a man are not going to sit here and, and say this to me, You're like, well, she sees all my best parts. Like, no, like, that's not mm-hmm. what we say as it uh, um, to each other as men. But mm-hmm. I think it also, it has a tendency of, of in conversation with men um, using, I'm, I'm not sure how to articulate this, using the perceptions of our wives or girlfriends to be hard on us, to show how tough we are, that we can, we can take hard things. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's close. I have to think my way through it later. But yeah, I, I would same, say that uh the, the 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 profound aspect of this is she sees the good and the bad and if you're a smart man pretty much she sees all the good and the bad and knows yeah and loves you anyway and the reason why i think a lot of guys they're saying she sees the bad and i can take it they also know she doesn't know the whole story you haven't really come clean on her for all of it and you're kind of saying it out loud to give this kind of unknown quantity of bad that exists that she doesn't know about, but that you're paying lip service to publicly mm-hmm. to rationalize your way back around to that she respects you. But like, and I think there's a there's an uncertainty, okay, that she really would love you if she knew the whole story. And I think I that think there's married that. men. I would say this. 
likely for men that are embroiled in pornography or mm. have some, some stuff that they think is just, I'm going to bottle that up, you know, and I'm going to deal with it and I'm never going to let this see the light of day. Um, and, and so they have this nagging sensation that if their wife really knew, would she really respect me? You know, would she really, if she, everything's going to work out okay if she doesn't find out. And, you know, I think that is dangerous. That's back to kind of, I think we talked about pre's. Men will, will build these aliases Mm -hmm. at work. This is Nate at work. This is Nate at home with my wife. And so in a sense, your wife loves you, but she loves an alias. She loves it, something that you it can be that close to home that she doesn't know. And this, this, I know this for a fact because I've been, been in the military. And, and there's, these, there's, there's T-shirts about it. I took a photo of it in the, in the pizza shop that's below my office. There's a guy that has it, he's wearing it and says, what happens on TDY stays on TDY. And TDY is the military acronym for temporary duty. Um, mm. So, you know, and yeah. there's that. And this is prevalent in masculinity culture, you know, pose sure. in different area codes, you know, and, and, you know, you know this, is my, you, bro. this is my deployment wife, you know, uh, this is my, it's, it's office wife. It's, I've heard that term too. Yeah. And this office is wife, not, yeah, this husband. is not Oof. just the military. This is a, this is a man issue. Okay. I want to, I want to get into that, but I, I do, mm-hmm. I do want to grab one thing and, and pull out of what I was saying, which is, mm-hmm. which is that I want, I, I want to make sure that men don't use their wives to be hard on themselves. Don't use mm-hmm. the projected image of their wives to be hard on themselves. Because I think what that does is I think it distorts, it distorts the marriage bond and it turns the wife into a uh, supervisor, jailer, the one that you're accountable to. And all those things are true, but like our wives are also women. They're mm-hmm. also, they're also girls. They also love, and they also, they also look at us probably in quiet moments where we're not paying attention with, with hearts in their eyes. And so mm-hmm. what, so, so yes, our wives are there. Our girlfriends are there told us accountable. They see our, our light side and our dark side. But what I, what I most often hear from men when talking about their wives and girlfriends is along the lines of, you know, my wife knows who I really am. And, you know, she sees that I'm a son of a gun. What you never hear, what you never hear or rarely hear men saying is that, yeah, she sees my shadow side, but she sees and loves all the good things about me too. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge. Yes, the, I want to touch on the aliases thing because I think that's really important. But I also, when I hear men speaking about themselves negatively, this isn't, it, I, I catch it because there's this, mm-hmm. there's this way that we as men talk about ourselves that all of us, and we all do it, we all do it in different ways that that reflects the ways in which we can we can use other people to be a hard on ourselves and 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 there's there's a way in which that's good but there's also a way in which it distorts the relationships that we're in and doesn't reflect the totality of us as as beings and the totality of the relationship and the totality of the person that we're that we're talking about and and mm-hmm. and I I do this I do this it's not it's not to correct you not the, not because I'm correcting anything that I see is wrong within you it's just, it's men learning to, 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 when they, when they catch themselves doing that, to acknowledge that the picture 
relationally is, is, is far more complicated and the good is there to be honored as much mm-hmm. as the challenge. And so I, I always try to try to do that because, you know, one of the things that's going on um, right now is you have men failing to step up, which we acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the masculinity dialogue, in the secular masculinity dialogue, there's this phrase, no one cares, work harder. And this mm-hmm. is used as a club that men are beat over the head with. Like, oh, having a really rough day. No one cares, work harder. Like, mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that to you. I'm not saying that to you. But, you know, yep. it's like, you know, because, and I can unpack all the different like lies. The emotional side of a man just needs to be bottled up and needs to be double knotted at the top so that it doesn't get out. And right. it needs to be a one way valve. Like everything gets flushed, you shove it down there. Yeah. And, you know, I like if you at some point that that dovetails into, you know, I've had this discussion with Jeremy Stallnecker about PTSD because right. it's, it's, far more than just bottling it up and keeping it there. It's far more than that. Any of the, and you, you just talked about suffering in your YouTube thing that you did with rewire the the West and understanding Mm. its place and understanding that it has made you into who you are without you take all the negative things that's ever happened to you. Like, you know, and you don't want to get rid of that. Because it would fundamentally change who you are right now. And I would and I would get rid of all the ways that I was stupid and caused myself suffering, but I'm still I'm grateful that, that God was and learning his glory. too, though. That's yeah, the, we'll the have side a of it too. God. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. You know, it's, a, it's that paradox. You know the story. And I guess and that would be to the people that are saying, you know, like, I want it all to change because I hate who I am. You know, like I think that that could be the the worst case scenario is like you're you're just still mired in it and to understand that there's something just remarkable about your story that is meant for something you know and that mm-hmm. requires that understanding of who's above you and and what is in, that there's something in front of you that mm-hmm. you have to use everything you know and that I had a friend of mine tell me I was mired in you know business troubles and learning, getting my hard knocks MBA, you know, and he's like, don't neglect, uh, the, like viewing everything you're experiencing right now as something specifically meant to prepare you for who you need to be tomorrow. And in five years and don't look at things that way or do look at things that do like, look at them that way. Like literally Uh I'm in this fight right now with this crazy lesbian witch online you know, and really? she's coming at me hard. You, no, not really. Oh, uh, okay. I just block those people. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, like, it's like, hey, right now, there is, and I think, I think it's C.S. Lewis that talks about it. Every single choice is either taking us toward heaven or the heavenly version of ourselves or hell. And just, yeah. it's not, it's, that's it. It's binary. Toward heaven, toward hell, you know? Mm. And if it's mm. not toward heaven, it's toward hell. Like, because you should be going at this particular moment, you should be making a step forward. And the fact that you're not making a step forward is putting you behind that trajectory, you know, mm-hmm. um, out mm-hmm. of, or what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, no. And so, and so I think, and so I, th- I think, um, 
as we apply that to as we apply that to our romantic relationships, I I wonder if um, if there's a if there's another way to move to move forward in our in, in the way that we talk about our relationships as men that isn't always tied to our performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so um, and again, this is not like I'm not. I, I want to make sure that this isn't like Will correcting Nate in his relationship. This is a, this is a habit that I see other men doing that I want to. That I want to. I want to take a minute to pull out because I, I think, I think that there's a there's a quality in which, um, men, you know, will say th- things like that, and it's easy to accept scorn from a from a, a long a woman in a long term relationship to because it makes us better men, and that's a that's a admirable and noble thing. The way that men are judged for their performance. And the reason why no one cares where Carter is a lie is because people do actually care. And mm-hmm. in addition to um, the people in our lives holding us accountable, there's also a way in which they see the glorious and wonderful and truly lovable things about us all the time. And in some ways as men, that's almost harder to let in, that we can be truly loved despite our flaws, loved by a woman despite our flaws. That clearing all that away, that that she would see the true goodness and and, and uniqueness, um, and and I would say beauty, even though I said it's not good to be called a beautiful man in a previous podcast, the the beauty of who we are, and and to allow our hearts to be really touched by that, and there's a way in which that's that's truly humbling, past the accountability to the point of truly being valued, and I, and I don't hear that talked about enough where men say. You know, we'll often say my, my wife holds me accountable and she sees my, do- my, my shadow side. Yes. And she loves me to death and she sees all the best parts of, those, uh, of me and, and she honors those deeply. And I'm, I'm so moved to be loved as a being and as a man. And there's a, there's a way in which I think that probably also ties to truly being loved by God as well. Like, can we really let that love in? Can we set aside our, our need to be held accountable and to perform and to be truly just loved as we are and as we have always been? And so I, I, think, I think that some of, some of that split, it's very natural. It's how men are. We, we evaluate ourselves and we evaluate our, each other based on our performance. And that's, that's where no one cares, works, work harder, gets its power from. But I think there's a, a way in which like, no, people care and love us deeply they love us deeply for who we are and we can always be better. And these don't live in those, these don't live in opposition. Like we are loved for who and what we are and we can and must be better. And like, that's the paradox there. And so I, I hear a lot of men saying things like, you know, I wish I could be better for the people in my life. What I less often hear them saying is I'm, I'm loved. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I feel like that's really important to say. So I just had to go way those watching on YouTube, I just have to go way within to find that, but that was in there. Yeah. And I, I think that that is how relationships proclaim the gospel back to us. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're literally, you're describing that. How can, how can I be loved when I'm so miserable and made these mistakes by God? And that even yes. just, that is in sense, even saying you know, and I, Jeremy's talked about that. It's like, you don't get to exalt yourself to such a level at like, you didn't sin that good, bro. Sorry. Like, <laughs> try you, it. like try God harder. has for God has sinned, has forgiven 
worse people than you. Yeah. Again, you made this about you. It's not about you. You know, yeah. people Oof. sin more and we're forgiven and receive that and we're free. And stop using that as an excuse to not let that forgiveness. And even I've heard some people talk about like if you say, Dear Lord, please forgive me, like he's like, stop praying that already. I did <laughs> yes. forever. You know, yes. like there's even just that confidence, like, like he knows your heart posture, like in some sense, like you don't have to actually say it out loud. Like you can have that forgiveness from him just embodied in who, what you're kind of, and not, you know, it's, you know, doesn't mean that that's, that's like a gospel. That's an application of a principle of that God has forgiven everything in Christ. And so mm. it's not waiting on you to say, dear Lord, please forgive me. Now I, I finally said it. So it was on me again. And that's, that is truly <laughs> the, the good thing about relationships is, and that's, I think why some of those men don't let it happen. It's a lot more comfortable to say, nobody cares, work harder because yeah. the, 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 but the other, but the buddy in that, you know, the nobody and to actually make yourself vulnerable enough with another human being to, to, to actually get that love reflected back in, here now. Like, I think that that's meant to be, that's why, why there is the church. You're not supposed to be going it alone. You know, and and I think Jonathan Pajot was saying the Jordan Peterson, a profound podcast, like when he's mm. going through all this suffering, you know, health wise and his family, and he's asking, Do you think that you're meant, you know, to go through this alone mm-hmm. here now? And and Jordan Peterson's like, I know what you're saying. Why the hell not go to church? You know? Uh and and the reality <laughs> The reality of it being the the testimony of the saints, you know, are like you get to read about David, an actual dude that committed adultery and murdered. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading through Samuel right now is that the, just the, the sin plaguing his household, you know, and Absalom bringing the concubines up on the rooftop and just like, you look at the, the the testimony of the scriptures is not at all people are perfect. You know, it's like, look at all the creative ways that they sinned, but Jesus Christ came from that relationship, you know, yeah. and, and Rahab and, uh, you know, these relationships, if you look at that lineage that you read at this time and you know, where it's Christmas time, you're reading through, you see the, the women mentioned it's a broken story there. And yet from the foundation of, of creation all the way through the prophecies laid forth in scripture that gets fulfilled through brokenness through amazing. Right. Yeah. And, and God still brought it apart. And that is that that's uncomfortable you know, I mean, I'm looking at that as a man and be like, like, did David really get to choose whether or not he had adultery or not? If that's like literally how the prophecy, like, and that's that, that back to that paradox, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. the tension between our relationship with the maker that we're not going to solve this side, you know, of, right. of glory. Uh, but we can, we can dive right off into that depth, the depths of that. And it manifests itself in beautiful ways in our life. 
there's a series, um, you know, like everything that they do up in, uh, in Moscow, uh, that, that, that Doug and Toby did, um, called reformed basics. It's like a series mm-hmm. of 10 or 12 videos in that Prager U kind of like 2d animation style. Right. Mm-hmm. So they made, they did it in like 2021 and it's, it's the best explanation of the reform faith that I've ever seen. Like, it's just like, this is incredible. And you and I can, we can, I'm sure we'll get into like pure theology later, but you know, one of the things that Doug said in that is God is a great enough author that um, he can ordain our choices and that we choose them freely. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. no, we, we choose, like, for example, like we were talking about um, on, on my podcast with you, we were talking about my baptism, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So technically in the reformed faith, like from the foundations of the earth, that moment was ordained. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. But I can still put myself back in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on that. I think it was a Saturday. It would have been a Saturday. Rem- realizing that I had to ask my friends, would you baptize me? And having to consciously make the choice to ask them. I can remember that moment fully. There was no compulsion. There was no, I must ask. It was like, it was still like, am I going to do this? Like, do I, okay, apparently I have to ask. How do I ask? Like, what am I, like, I remember very clearly within my own mind that moment of having to ask. And I'll never forget, you know, uh, I think it was Andrea, who was also on my Spirit Dream podcast. It's like, oh yeah, we'd love to, right? Mm-hmm. I can remember, she, she was surprised. Like, I, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was not assumed, but like, I, I, I didn't specifically ask when I came up. I had mentioned it prior to my visit that year, but I, I, I had to follow up. I had to specifically ask. So that moment, again, was ordained before the foundation of the earth. And yet I can still remember choosing that very, very clearly. And so you ask about day, and, and so uh, Doug and Toby kind of get into this and a bunch of other topics in the videos um, and they break it down very simply. Um, but, you know, to that point, like if it was the fulfillment of the prophecy, did David really have the choice to sin? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. It was, it was ordained and it was ordained that he would freely choose it. Like, how does that work? I don't know. Not God. Above, above my above my pay grade. But I love that paradox. I love mm-hmm. that we get to live, like there's no better way to really experience being a created being than to recognize that nothing makes sense really. That we can that we can go like almost all the way there to a lot of things, but there's a point at which everything just becomes scrambled and impossible to understand. And it's mm-hmm. so it's so impossibly transcendent. And it just shows it, 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 all, it also, to me, shows the power of the fall, really, because presumably in our pre-fallen state, all these things would have made sense to us. Mm-hmm. And now in our fallen state, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not everything would make sense to us, but in our, if all our state, in our fallen state, we can absolutely say that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so we can see how far we are from, from our um, original design that it, that it doesn't. And to really experience that gap um, and to, and, you know, because really shatters this notion of being little gods. Like what better way to shatter a man's pride than to truly experience the paradoxes at the heart of reality and to know that those are not paradoxes to God at all. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not that guy. <laughs> you ain't that guy chief. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the faith and the humility really shouldn't be that big of a hurdle to surrender. If you, if you've been around the block, once or twice, you know, True. but yet is like, that's back right back dovetails back into the fall. You said like the power 
and the true, you know, we've, we talked about recently, like God's, God's curses are not a joke, you know, they're legit. They're legit. Um, and so it's just, and that's, you know, why it's particularly hard for, for the overly intellectual in some ways, you know, and, and yet easy at some point, you know, if they can let go at the right points, you know, everything turns around, you know, um, it's a, is it a mental thing though? Is it that like, I just can't get my brain around it. I mean, I, I think it's, I think, I think it comes down to a, like a shame thing that once you know that you actually have to be, you have to publicly repent that some men just, they can't get there for wrongs that are either that, that, um, that society would consider objectively wrong or that we just ourselves are ashamed of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's really what get, what, what throws a lot of men It's not that they and, can't wrap their brain around it. And maybe, uh, relationships have a dark power and that side of things too, uh-huh. you know, because if, if Peterson professes Christ, what's Joe Rogan going to think, you know, and, exactly. and, and, and you have these conversations and you have this empire that is built on certain things about you. And this changes everything about you. Everything. So now what do I do? And it's probably very much back to the, the rich young ruler, you know, like easy, sell all you have and follow me. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Anything but that, you know, <laughs> anything but that. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, um, I guess that's the, the, also the beauty and the, and the gratitude that you can have before God, you know, and thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. thank you for, cause I, I read when we read through the Christmas story and you, and you, you know, we get into the Easter season and you read, it's like, I don't know that I would have been the guy that, you know, I probably would have been like, you are crazy, bro. Like, I'm going to go back and memorize some more of the law and, and make sure right. I count my steps on the Sabbath. Like that mm-hmm. way I know I'm good. You know, you're doing some kind of some craziness. Uh, so, and so who are you talking about? Well, I'm just saying if I was in those times and mm-hmm. I was a, a, a good, you know, member standing Jewish, like, person and I had a business Mm -hmm. and I had, you know, and Jesus came along and was like Mm. saying what he said and would I have, uh, and I think that that it's, we, we, it's easy to read and be like those dumb Pharisees, you know, how come, how could they, but if you literally are embodying that text to be like, he, he knew with every one of these people what to say, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that one, you know, the, we need more Christian billionaires podcast. Like we missed, like he went up to this place and we, we missed the, when they say he went up to Jerusalem, you know, if we read, he went up, then he went up to Washington, DC. It just, that one little sentence gives us in our, you know, historical geographical context, a lot more meaning that we miss. This is an Eastern text, you know, and we're reading it as Western Westerners and we're missing all this meta narrative about what's happening because we haven't taken the time to understand that culture, to try to really embody what is actually re- being said in that one introductory sentence about oh. who he's talking to and, and understanding that he 
was able to say what is literally the fulcrum of everything you believe idolatry wise or whatever. I'm going right at that to everybody mm-hmm. talked to, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, you know, in a sense, cutting to the, cutting to the chase with the, the most arrogant among them, but then also being able to speak the truth to, to, you know, adulterous women at the well, you know, or whatever. Um, and just that example. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually reading a little bit about the Pharisees right now. And, uh, he knew exactly who he was talking to, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and one of the things that I tell people about, the, about the Bible and particularly about Genesis, and this is one of the th- reasons I got so much out of the space trilogy, the ransom trilogy was that, um, you know, the Bible isn't written. It's not, I've said this many times, it's not written like a novel. Like we're mm-hmm. used to reading things that have a narrative and we're used to like, whatever it is, Dostoevsky or, you know, Tom Clancy, pick your, pick your favorite writer. Right. But the modern mm-hmm. novel, as we understand it, wasn't invented until Don Quixote, like 1400 years later, like 1400s, 1500s is when that novel was written. And so the, so the, the people who wrote um, Genesis and, and uh, they, um, and yes, it was written by God, but it, it wasn't written in a style that we would recognize as having all this detail that our minds naturally look for from being, from, from being raised on the modern, on the modern mm-hmm. novel, on the modern narrative. So, there, mm-hmm. so all this detail, is, it isn't there. And so there's a lot of room for imagination on one side, but also real exegesis and understanding on the other, like really mm-hmm. digging in and understanding the context that the modern reader, meaning in their time, would have taken would have taken for granted that we just we just don't have, and that was one of the coolest things. Once I started becoming Christian and started reading the Bible, was was rather than seeing it as like flat two D words on a page, to be able to see it in, in three dimensions. And I remember when I started reading the Gospels and started you know seeing Jesus getting angry, and 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 like his his uh, the the twelve. Uh, 12 apostles, 12 disciples are like constantly letting him down. Like mm-hmm. you are knuckleheads. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like to see that and to see him dunking on the Pharisees and clapping back on people talking to him, you know, that he wasn't this kind of like meek and mild, happy guy with the perfectly trimmed beard and the nice, you know, that he wasn't, mm-hmm. that he wasn't that guy, that he's a full three-dimensional flesh and blood human being. And then could just, and then in the next passage, I guess blast off into this moment of pure transcendence and then come back to being a man and and but like that it's not in the words right it's 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 behind them it's between them mm-hmm. and and i think that's the power of that's the power of um i i think this sanctification regeneration is actually being able to read the bible and there's a passage there's a passage in i think it's in matthew where um, it's the road to Emmaus, where the two um, the two guys are walking, and 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 Jesus appears alongside them, but doesn't show who he is, and so he's mm-hmm. like, "What happened? Like, haven't you heard, sir? This is all these things." And then there's mm-hmm. a line where it says, "And Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture," like mm-hmm. that line, like he had, like they had to have their minds opened to understand it. Like when I saw that, I, I stopped, because when your mind is is opened to really see the, the glory of the story 
and to perceive it in, in three dimensions, who these people are, and to get back to your point about David, you know, and all these all these broken men, like the the Bible, the whole thing from start to finish is the story in many ways of men's failings, except for mm-hmm. one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no man in the Bible walks away unscathed. Even Paul, mm-hmm. Paul wasn't, you know, Paul was an accessory to a murder. He was a persecutor of the Christians. And then didn't he get in a fight with Barnabas over somebody? And they like, they were going to do this whole ministry and the third guy with them. And, they, and then they broke off and they had, went their separate ways because they got in a fight or something like that. My, my ESV study Bible even says in the, in the notes, it says this was ordained by God. <laughs> God mm-hmm. had ordained that they get in a fight. It wasn't two guys being petty. It was, you know, what I mean? mm-hmm. but we'll never heard know what the what, interpretation that he, that Jesus kind of was in his glorified body in a sense at that road. Like he looked different because oh. he had conquered death and hell and resurrected. Uh-huh. And so he didn't look the same potentially as the and so it wasn't until like and, and when you say that opened their mind i'm thinking like they essentially understood what the resurrection actually looks like uh and and then knew because oh, there's maybe. a physical difference in a sense that that was not able to be perceived without this knowledge of it you know i don't know i'm probably oh. getting pastors everywhere mad at me for that but Get mad um, at Nate. <laughs> I'm pulling. I'm pulling some stuff out of the cobweb areas uh, about that. About why they. Like, why would they not know? And, and that makes sense in the understanding of it. Like, oh yeah, you know what well, does death things- really look like when it's defeated and and resurrection happens? Like, Ooh. okay, um, now we see. You know, one of the things that Christiana Hale, who wrote Deeper Heaven, that book about the Ransom Trilogy, I think she said it. Is either she said it or Doug Wilson said it in one of his lectures about the books is that, you know, when, when um, Jesus was resurrected, it was like he, he, there was a scene where he, he walked through a wall, right? Mm-hmm. To, to go. And, and I think what she said is that the way that we understand that as, 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 as people now is that Jesus walked through the wall like he was a phantom, like a ghost, mm-hmm. right? Like he was insubstantial. And what, and, and what, um, Christiana said, and I think this is probably what C.S. Lewis was saying, something about that in the books, was that it's not that Jesus was insubstantial. It's that Jesus is that the wall was insubstantial. Mm-hmm. Was that defeating death and in our in our in our resurrected bodies, we are more solid, more real. Mm-hmm. So that this world, this is the world of phantoms. And so he walked, he walked through the wall because the wall wasn't there, not because he wasn't there. And I was like, Yeah. Like that's yeah. Well, not even, I think we've talked about eternity and the spiritual realm oh. being infinitely close to our perception. Like it can't be closer, but yet we can't see it in, in the sense. I, I'm pretty sure that was, we were talking about that. It's just like, it's here. Yeah. It's all around us. Like it's, it's, and we think of it as this kind of far away place or like this like little tunnel that is is going, you know, between worlds, but in the reality is that it's, it's, it's everywhere around us here and now, you know, and I was having the conversation with Kyle Lamb talking about it's like when the, the earth shook, when Jesus died and uh-huh. his interpretation and thinking about warfare. So you have, think about this, you have legions mm. of angels that can uh-huh. stop this. 
in the heavens, like all around. And God is stopping mm-hmm. these eternal beings from riding in and saving Jesus and, 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 the, and, so and cool. holding back the troops. They were, they, the earth shook and it was, it, it was these, you know, in, in the sense like this, just unlimited warfare at held so that this could happen and that it just bled over into the physical reality it's by so just cool. infinite heavenly hosts just be like just it is resonating out of them you know and this is like a, a another warrior's take on the fact that you know you see these legions of of warriors and these these crazy things happening in battle for Christians and then that they're ready those same troops that that crushed Jericho that enabled Gideon that you know uh you know is maybe brought down everything that Samson did you know all these things mm-hmm. are being held back at that particular instance mm-hmm. by the father you know by mm-hmm. the commander and and then even just our as Christians our inability to comprehend that amount of power being accessible to us if the heavenly father wills in a sense and not and yeah. just and wanting to calculate our actions based on an outcome you know and and Doug said in his you know steps to save the world or whatever like you, you just have to acknowledge oh, yeah. that God loves cliffhangers he loves yes. taking us all the way to the point where we think there's no hope and then him saying <laughs> again there is you know and yeah. and and understanding that from a physical warfare perspective but also like in the spiritual war you know my children's souls my wife's soul the souls yeah. of the brothers and sisters in our church um you know we don't have to fear anything that is happening, any of these lies, you know, yeah. we, we, we must obey. We must obey in the small things and the things that are right in front of us. Let's do them with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We, we, we must disciple our children to do the same and what it should be attractive when other people see it happening in the outside that don't know the truth and they should want to know, should be ready to give an account and we should advance boldly and we're not. I think Doug did a really, there was a really cool part of that when he's like, um, excuse me, um, I'm a Christian. And if, if I am not interrupting, I have a word from the Lord, you know, like <laughs> that's never, yeah. I'm coming with authority that, that the Lord of hosts has and that he has said in his scripture, you know, and testifying to this. And I'm not apologizing. I'm not I'm not buttering you up a little bit before like yeah. this is what is happening and I've searched the word of God and this is you know uh y- you are going to answer to the creator of the universe for you allowing this mutilation to happen in your city you know you are going to answer to the god of hosts for the businesses that you shut down because you are a coward and didn't stand against this, you know, and as, as church leaders, you are going to answer for how you handled the last two years and what, yeah. 
spiritual carnage resulted from you abandoning your post and you running for the hills when the wolves came. And if you haven't repented to your congregation, because that's the other side of this, you can, you can say, oh, I didn't get it wrong as that church flying the rainbow flag that lets women preach, you know, so I don't need to repent for anything during that particular time of, of history. Like that's not the standard, you know, and, and what is, what is happening? And that's one of the reasons why I think that the, the controversy is getting more for the Moscow group, but also Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, I've been there during Grace Agenda. I've been in worship with these churches. I've sat in fellowship with these. And that's the other side I've told other men is I've sat with his children. I've sat with his grandchildren. I've sat with the elders in his church. I have seen the fruit of this playing out in homes around the city. I am in relationship. Like that is the testimony. Does that mean he's perfect? No. But it is why they are experiencing it because they didn't capitulate, you know, and even them, they had some outdoor services at first, you know, and, and, and built us, you know, Hey, we're looking at the data we have, we're making decisions, but we're going to still worship. We're still getting together. We're still doing this. You get a 90 day grace period during COVID. Like no one knew it was going to happen. Like you get 90 days. Like I can give you a hundred, I'll give you 120 days. Mm -hmm. Right. By that point, by that point, though, it's like, we're not all dead, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but continue. Sorry. Yep. No. And that's, and that's, I think that, that churches are, are, are doing a, 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 a you know, calling the army, you know, a, a BDA, you know, battle damage assessment. And it's like, what, what actually were the effects on target after the fact, but we're doing kind of these, these, uh, hypothetical battle damage assessments into the future and deciding whether or not we want to risk it, you know? And that's if, 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 if we would acted like that as the church in, in crossing the Jordan and going around Jericho, now you imagine the audacity, put the choir out front, go around the city, you know, like we're going to take this down with singing, you know? And, and when you get across the Jordan, uh, y'all need to, uh, circumcise, get circumcised, you know? So yeah. why, why is God making you, you go across the river and remove that geographical boundary or barrier and then putting y'all into probably the most vulnerable position you've ever been as a man, um, you know, and, and then now you fight, you know, mm-hmm. and it's again, cliffhanger, obedience. I got this, you know, and, and the church the church is, is that, you know, co- that COVID stuff happened for us. And, and we said, ah, we'll keep our foreskins. And, uh, we think we like better, you know, or we're just going to stay on the other side of the Jordan. We don't even think that you can part it, you know, let alone take the Ark of the covenant down and have the, you know, we, we, we don't have waterproof sandals, so we probably <laughs> shouldn't do that, you know, yeah. and just rationalizing the end state. And not everybody did that. Not everybody did that. And the churches that didn't, uh, I mean, our church was crazy. When we went into the doors of the church, it was like COVID didn't exist for a two-year period. You know, as almost you walked mm-hmm. back out, and you're like, "Whoa, wait a second, it's still going yeah. on." Like we get to he- we got to experience 
the heavenly realm, which is the point of this, is we get together and we enter into something bigger. And, and we were shielded from that, our relationships. And we were having interaction with people. And, and we had people in our congregation that disappeared and kind of entered back in at various states and, and whatnot. And they're different, fundamentally are different because they didn't get to go through those. Oh. And I think we're going to see this societally play out. It was, it was psychological warfare on our children. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you sent your kids to public school during that, if you made them go through that, you're, you're working with them to try to get over the, the insidious nature of, of the policies and how they manifest themselves and, and in, yeah. a, in a sense, even generationally, you know, and, and you got to deal with it head on. You got to repent. You got to ask forgiveness. You got you to gotta come clean, especially if you're a leader in that point. And it, and, it needs to be, and it needs to be to everyone that you wronged, just like me repenting to just my son when I yelled at him in front of the four other kids. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get to just go apologize to that Eli. I got to come clean to everybody that was affected by it, you know, mm-hmm. in a transparent way. And, and churches have a hard time doing that. Uh, men have a hard time doing that. Again, same reason we talked about going into this thing about can, can God's, that we really believe God's way. We really believe that repentance, do we really believe that we can still be respected and honored in spite of our sin and because of this, you know? And yes, mm-hmm. we can. And somehow yeah. God's going to equal growth. And, 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 and even it's not, and growth isn't measured by how many people are sitting in, in the pew, you know? And can you, can, what is, what is the fruit mm. of, of the few that are there? And what are their wives and their, their relationships work, their marriages, their relationship with their children? And then let's take that out a thousand generations. That's the fruit you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I don't, we just don't do our, our calculations based on that. And it's, it's shameful ultimately, you know, like 300 yeah. people now, five families that are each going to have 12 kids who are going to have 12 kids for a thousand generations, you know, right. um, that's, that's significant. The world says masculinity is toxic. Everything the world says is backwards. That means masculinity is medicine. Everything the world tries to shame out of you is what you need to live a healthy, fulfilled, virtuous life as a man. But I said shame out of you. Everything you need is already within you. Because you can't get masculinity from the outside. You can't buy it in a PDF or watch it in a YouTube video. That's what the men who lead cults of personality sell you. Keep watching my content, they seem to say, and you can be a man like me. It doesn't work that way. Virtues cannot be purchased. They must be cultivated. To become a virtuous man takes dedication and effort, guidance and feedback, purpose and direction. No one can give you those things but you. Our fathers are supposed to train us in virtue, our churches and culture too. But for those men who grow up with absent, abusive, or distant fathers, what then? For men who grow up in feminized churches, the situation gets worse. And don't get me started on culture. It can all seem hopeless, but it isn't. 
The Renaissance of Men is about the worldwide movement to rebirth masculinity for a declining age. That's what everything I do is about, because that is my story, and it can be your story too. I'm thrilled to announce my 12-week Renaissance mentorship, your chance to make all the values of the Renaissance real in your life, with guidance from a man who's lived it, and the wisdom of dozens of conversations with other men who have too. But here's what makes this mentorship different from the other coaches, courses, and programs available on the internet. I don't want you to become a carbon copy of me. I want you to become the best version of you, expressing all the gifts that you've been blessed with. That takes conversation, care, listening, and investment. Everything you've heard on this podcast. And that is why it's a mentorship. To learn more and see my testimonials, visit renofmen.com slash mentorship. There you'll find much more information than I can give in this brief ad. I'm very proud of this program. It represents everything I want to see in the world, and I believe in it with my whole heart because it works. I'm so confident in it that it comes with my personal guarantee. In 12 weeks, we will permanently change the direction of your life as a man or I will work with you until we do. And for a limited time, until the end of January, use the code INTRO to get 15% off the program. As you've heard the man with the deep voice say many times before, this is the renaissance of men. You are the renaissance. I mean, that's, that's real virtue, right? That's, that's, you know, there, there's, there's the fruitfulness of, you know, what you um, produce professionally, which I think is, is important, you know, like what we earn matters, right? Like I'm not a, I just heard the term on that Christian billionaires podcast, like poverty gospel. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, you know, prosperity gospel is bull crap, obviously. Cause it doesn't work that way. Like oh, I give, I give you this and I get that back. Like that doesn't work that way. But on the other side, poverty gospel that you demonstrate your, your virtue by not creating, you know, by mm-hmm. being humble and, and weak, weak, meek, not meek, not true meek, not strength restrained, but you know, truly, mm-hmm. you know, mousy, let's put it that way. That's, there's no virtue in that as well uh, at all. So there, there's a, there's a component of there's what you produce in terms of um, professionally, economically, right? But there's also, do you produce virtuous children and grandchildren for the kingdom? Are you bringing more bodies onto earth, right? Mm-hmm. And are you proper, properly discipling them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think this, this could be an eschatological argument too, where it's like, if you believe, if you're like into this premillennial kind of view, then you want to bring as few bodies onto earth as possible, right? Because, you don't know, maybe they're going to have to go through the tribulation and who wants to go through that? You know, because then God's going to come down and do it all for you, right? Versus if you believe that the kingdom advances person by person on earth, one righteous, redeemed, saved life at a time, then you got to make as many kids as possible, right? And you, and you got to properly disciple them 
right? Mm -hmm. Which means that you have to not be working 30 hours a day, which means that you have to, you know, produce economic prosperity to support them so that you have leisure time to be able to properly raise them and all the pieces and all the pieces fit together. And you know, what's, what's actually, what's actually cool about, um, about what's, you know, this particular moment, um, this year for me is that, you know, I, I discovered Doug Wilson and, and, um, you know, and really understanding reform theology and post-millennialism almost, I mean, it's not by accident, but almost by accident, because a year ago I was visiting a friend up in Washington state over new year's and we were hanging out and he's, he's a Christian man. And we were watching a bunch of videos and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I, I got COVID while I was up there visiting him. Well, maybe I, I mean, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. And so I had to change I had to change my flight and stay in his guest room for like three or four extra days. Super embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But you know, what else are you going to do? Right. I'm not going to get on a plane and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. deal with that. So I stayed and, and I, I had um, fever and chills for like three days. You know, it wasn't the worst flu I've ever had, but like, it wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't loving it, but it, you know, it was, I've, I've, I've been sicker in my life, but, but all I could do, I couldn't really eat. I couldn't really go do anything. And so all I did was um, lay in bed and literally watch sermons. I watched mm-hmm. like Jeff Durbin and James White, and then slowly but surely, the algorithm, the YouTube algorithm, caught on and started giving me Doug Wilson sermons. Like I really yeah. like this guy. And then I noticed him saying something about Canon, Canon Press. I'm like, Canon, that sounds familiar, because I had looked at the side of "It's Good to Be a Man" by Michael Foster, because Michael had been on my podcast earlier that earlier in 2021. I'm like mm-hmm. I looked like, oh, same. Oh, so his book. And so I, I put the pieces together and then I dove deep into all that. And then when I discovered post-millennialism, it all made sense. It all, it all made sense, right? It all just like, it all kind of, it all kind of clicked to understand that the way that you think the world is, is going to go, whether you think it's going to end right now or whether it's going to continue on for a while has everything to do with how you behave in the moment. Because if you think that, you know, we're at the end of the fourth quarter and the buzzer, the buzzer is going to go. And then everyone's going to leave the stadium or whatever, then you're going to live according. Like, why should I invest in this world? Why should I build anything? Why should I care? Let me just go hide. Let me just go hide in my basement, you know, or withdraw from life versus like, no, it's us. Not come like maybe, maybe coming way later, but we have to create this prosperity now. It's like, oh, oh, that's something that many men say. That's something that I, as a man, I'm not really ready for that. I didn't, I didn't realize that I had to be the guy. It's like, well, <laughs> you do, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I can understand why a lot of men would resist that knowledge. Take that up with the with the maker, you know. But yeah, get to <laughs> get to work as you do, as and and see that it is. I mean, you know, I I think you hear people talk about, well, I'm. I'm just going to be a good person just in case, you know, it's like, I'm, that's, that's, that's like that. the argument rubbish for, yeah. for workspace you know, salvation. Things. You're not a good person. And, and you're <laughs> yeah. just in case good person is actually not even as good as a person as you actually could be, which is still not good enough. Um, right. And, and the same thing though, but I like, why not live out of the mindset as a Christian that, what you do here and now matters. Your physical body matters. It's not Gnostic. It's not this the spiritual side of it. And then as you as you do, 
it's just like there's layers, you know. And if you understand, like, and I will, I'll come in. We we have kids choir. We have about a hundred and something kids on like fourteen and under at our church. And we mm-hmm. and one of our choir directors is went to NSA out there, and it's about music. And and I'll say to them like, this is warfare. Mm-hmm. Like you like if the kids are kind of like, mm-hmm, and I'll like come in and be like, are you? Do you want to win? You know. Let's go, kids. Let me hear you. It's for the yeah. it's for, it's for the maker's glory, and it matters now. And even you know where, um, I think that you know Brian Sylvay culture, uh, uh, you know the 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 reformed men singing. And when you hear that, you know all the parts, the men, the four part uh, music. Mm of the church and this long tradition of really masterful music, musical talent and the ability to weave these, what sound by themselves, okay. And what sound altogether though, amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and then just that power and, and our, you know, tradition, we've say amen after the sermons, you know, and even then like it's, it's, you can look at, like people aren't saying it, like something just happened there, you know, like, yeah, did we really just storm the gates, you know, with this bold pronouncement of who God is in spite of who we are and do we believe and is that manifesting itself in what we're doing? And that's the only way I think the world sees and is like, whoa, you know, and that's, and that's the test. I mean, we have, you know, people will trickle into the church and they just see that, you know, that music and that thunderous, you know, singing and, and they know something's different about this church. Mm -hmm. Something is going on here. There's dudes singing. First of all, I'm a little weirded out by that, you know, and I don't know that I want to sing. Yeah. And, and our choir being more men are singing in it than women. You know, that's that's back to that showing up and Ian saying, why are men not showing up? Like you need to show up to choir. You need to, uh, learn. This is a skill that you should be trying to get better at. Um, Mm -hmm. even in, and then just having the security to sing, uh, and, and it somehow, even though it doesn't sound perfect is is praiseworthy because it's, it's mm-hmm. the heart posture, but then also I got to do the work. I got to, you know, and I'm, I'm blessed cause I'll have my wife play the bass part, you know, and, and then I have it on my phone, you know, so then I'll just listen over and over and over again to just the bass part and, and prep. And, and I, I, I am not comfortable there, bro. Like I'm not. And, okay. and, and, and I could easily say You're more of like a falsetto. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's, it is not something I can control. Um, it's singing, you know, like, and, and, but I can look at scripture and be like, okay, David, uh, David actually was renowned as a harp player around town, you know, Hmm. because when Saul was in his, his possessed state, they're like, we know, we know a guy who can play an instrument well and brought Hmm. him in. You know, okay. and this is also the dude that Saul was like, "Hey, whisper to David that if he brings me a hundred foreskins, he could have my wife or or my uh, 
my daughter as a wife. Um, you know this story about like no. It, it, there's she's trying to get David killed, and he's like, "Give me, bring me a uh, the bride price of a of a hundred Philistine foreskins." Oh, okay. and David yeah, yeah. goes out and gets two hundred, you know, and brings them back because he's like, "Who am I to marry the king's daughter?" It's like, "Oh, well, if you go get these enemy, you know, like you'll prove to me." And he's thinking David's going to get killed, and and right. David brings back double the bride price, you know. Also plays the harp. Also does this, you know, and that's back to your thing. He's a poet. Period. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Like it's yeah. it's it, there's a poetry of Marshall. There's a Marshall mm-hmm. poetry. There's a in it, but it's 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 maybe it, it's cross domain, but that doesn't mean that as a man I get to say that's not the kind of poetry I'm going to appreciate. Like it appreciate it's everything. Right. Like if you if you like watching the UFC, you should like poetry, like you should like singing. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, these are different manifestations at multiple levels, but it's all the same thing. And, and when men sing, uh, and, and when men, men actually sang and, and brought down walls of cities, you know, and then went in and destroyed everything. Like they had to, there was a physical component to it. Uh, but just that understanding and say, okay, I'm, this is, this is going to matter. And the other thing I want to show is my son's looking at me, mm-hmm. you know, and I've called out the other men in church. Like this is showing our sons that this is real for us. We're stepping up to the line and we're singing and our sons are hearing it too. And they're not, my sons are not thinking girly man that sings, you know, hymns in church. Like Mm. they see men of God showing up early, practicing and letting it rip for his glory. And, and that is what that is shaping their image of who a man is. And it's not any in honestly, my sons don't really even know that much about my military side of it. Like they see me singing hymns. They, they don't know, you know, drinking the blood of my enemies, you know, from, from a skull, like aspect of me, whatever, uh, you know, uh, okay, you're like, speaking metaphorically. Yes. Yes. I did not actually practice that. Um, okay. uh, but you know, it's, that's, that's more about who I am, uh, to them now than who, who I was in the military. And it would be, it could be easy to say, you know, to continue to just prop up this version of who I was to them over and over and over again and be like, yeah, but dad did this stuff back, you know, however many years ago. So I'm, you know, man card punch for forever. That's, that's the reason why, um, you know, instead of today, that looks like dad learning how to sing hymns better, you know? And that looks like me holding my phone up to the ear while you were driving in the car and me saying, you know, singing it over and over again and trying to get ready because it matters how I worship. It matters that I do it well. You, you see me practicing it. When you get into the car with me, my, my audio Bluetooth connects and starts playing Samuel. Like mm. it's, it's reinforcing in a thousand ways to my children that this matters to me. This is mm-hmm. not, um, you know, I saw a meme, you know, one time it's like, you can't haul uh, septic seven days of the week and haul milk on Sundays, you know, like mm. 
And I think that's uh, wow. for men. And I, your kids can tell. Your kids can tell. Uh, is dad bought in all the way? And, and for boys and for girls, what dad does is more determinant of them keeping the faith than mom, statistically. Oh, absolutely true. I, I don't, and, and so, and, and how many, you know, even in great churches, look around, you know, who's sleeping? Who's not singing very loud? Who's got the, you know, uh, I, you know, looking at how, how soon is this going to get over with so I can run out to the football game, you know, or right. whatever. Who, 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 who doesn't show up at the easiest convenience, you know, and are you saying, are you showing your kids that it matters to show up? Are you showing your kids that, uh, you believe it all the way, um, in, in a million ways. And, and that's, it's, it's eternally difficult to do, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, um, but it, what is really cool and what we've, we've realized is that's their identity. You know, their identity is they're not going to accept what some idiot on the street says about them. They have 200 plus relationships uh, that define reality for them. And, and reality, mm. not just now, but in the eternal realm as well. And, and there's a dozen, dozen men that he can go and talk to instead of me, you know, like, and, and that's one of the reasons why I've committed to this is because I want that that transition into manhood, it doesn't need to be my son coming to me all the time. That he could be. end up going to a bunch of other guys more. And, and there's going to be a way they bring the truth to him that, that is different than I can do as a father. And that's okay. There's a, there's a, a fellowship and a family that's larger than the biological side of things and that that's strong and that that is 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 bearing fruit and and you know and that's i've said you know some of the m- most feedback i get on twitter or some of these things is like get your butt to church you know and 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 act like a christian the whole way there act like a christian when you're trying to find your kid's shoes act like a christian when you're running late act like a christian you know no matter what and you, you even talked about that that forgiveness and going back to people you you got to do that you know, it says, leave your, leave your gift at the altar and go be right with your brother. Yeah. So that understanding of like, I, I shouldn't be in here taking part in the, the supper of the lamb with all this beef and baggage that I mm-hmm. haven't handled, you know, like that's, that's, that side is it's a gift you give to yourself. You're actually able to experience the blessing of the fellowship when you have done the work, when you have repented, when you have, Mm -hmm. you know, and even, uh, I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure it it was Doug just talking like about there being just kind of this sign. Like if you're having dinner and they're coming to the door and, and like, you know, family's coming over and you're and your wife are at it. You don't go to the door and get it until, that gets settled and yeah. married guys will know about this. Like again, literally that's when the devil shows up. I'm about to do hospitality. We're about to invite people into our home. We're about to enjoy fellowship and organic discussion 
And right before that happens, you know, the, the true manifestation of your parenting occurs uh-huh. and, and, and your wife is, is thinks it should go a different way. And, and it's like, this is warfare happening right now before we break bread with another family. And I'm going to get this right. It's not, you know, quick, everybody act like nothing happened. And we'll get to this later. Like even coming up with a way to be like, okay, I love you. Like there's this kind of temporal acknowledgement and, and even just making it like, it's not going to be this whole thing. We walk it all out. You said, she said, he said, this is what happened. You get, you know, while they're on the porch, but this ability to be able to be like, full stop, we're going to handle this. I love you. It's bigger than either of us, you know, and yeah, back and forth, not just, Mm -hmm. I say, I love you. And then you just say, "Mm -hmm, well, whatever, you know, like it's, yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Got to happen. Forth. Again, what's going to happen? We can't do this. You know, even going into church, mm -mm, we're not going through those doors until this gets handled. Yeah. You know, we cannot go and sit and, and, and offer sacrifice and praise and partake of, of the supper battling, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. how it shows up. That's, that's warfare. Uh, and, 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 and gotten it wrong. You know, I mean, I've, there's been times where I've just been like, I cannot go in there right now, you know? And that's what, that's what the evil one wants, you know, like hold on to that anger with your wife for what she did and, and don't go in there, you know, like, nope, I got to deal with it. I got to deal with me. I got to go in there before the Lord with a pure heart. And, and that's, you know, that is so much work. Uh, yeah. and instead of she doesn't appreciate how I've paid the mortgage, you know, for 16 years, you know, like such a minimum standard applied. Congratulations. You, know? you checked the box. Good job, yeah. dude. We're not yep. homeless. Yep. Applause. <laughs> yep. yep. I really like what you had to say about this matters because I think, I think a lot of kids grow up and, and this is me piecing together. Like a, I feel like at times that I'm the guy who showed up like way late to the party and Mm -hmm. I'm looking around and I'm having to figure out how everything got into the state that it's in Mm -hmm. and understand things that I've seen from the outside and things that I've heard. And now I show up and I walk into the party and I have to, I have to reverse engineer how we, how we got here while also Mm -hmm. using my, my, immediate embodied experience, my, my limited immediate embodied experience with churches and stuff like that, that I've been to. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm aware that there are faithful churches and unfaithful churches, right. And that there, and that there have been, and this is mm-hmm. not even in like the whole, the whole notion of, of faithful versus heretical churches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like the, yeah. the ones with, you know, the ones doing like drag queen story hour, that's a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So then there, there are churches that held the line on COVID and, and ones that didn't. So you strip away the ones that held the line on that didn't hold the line, you strip those away. Mm-hmm. So then you have, then you have good solid churches, but maybe then all the way with, you know, with, in terms of like um, biblical doctrine, 
right? Mm-hmm. So then you, so you, then the ones that are good with biblical doctrine, and then you get the ones where it's like the people are faithful and the churches follow good biblical doctrine and the, and the preaching is good. And there's still this component of like, like it's like Christians do it just because they do it, not because mm-hmm. it matters. Mm-hmm. Because this is the fundamental central supporting pillar of the entire universe and human reality we have right here. This matters. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you describe, you describe a church where it's like you have hundreds of men, hundreds of kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and men in the choir singing four part harmony and, and the passion that you bring to it. And I, and I imagine that showing up in a church and it's like, that's, that's f- phenomenally rare. I mean, maybe it's not, mm-hmm. but like, it seems like it is, especially a church of that size. And I have to kind of figure out, like I show up and I'm experiencing this with a lot of new age people. Like I know a lot of new age to Christ people. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we're all showing up having wandered, having been literal prodigal sons, right. Mm-hmm. And showing up into the church being like, this is incredible. This is what I've been looking for the whole time. Everything I was told to never go looking at had everything I was always looking for. And that's, that's literally the experience. Like, I, mm-hmm. me, Will, I went and I explored everything else. The only thing I didn't really dive deeply into was Islam because that's a whole thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But a- anything else on earth, for the most part, I explored. Mm-hmm. And th- they all said the same thing. Don't go looking at that whole Christianity thing. Don't go look at, look at that. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, God called me in that direction. And it's like, oh, this is everything I was looking for. And so I show up and I'm like, this is amazing. And the more deeply I look into the Bible and the more deeply that I listen to sermons and, you know, exegesis of passages and discover theology and eschatology and all these different pieces, it continues to unfold in this infinite, fractal, beautiful degree that there's no bottom to. It just Mm -hmm. keeps going. Like I got to the bottom, I got to the bottom of Buddhism and Hinduism. I got to the bottom of, of, uh, I don't want to use the term plant medicine anymore because it's not medicine, but like I, mm-hmm. I got to the, the bottom of mystical pharmacia, <laughs> Amazonian pharmacia. That's what I'm going to start calling it now. I got to the bottom of those. I got to the bottom of the new age. I got all the way to the bottom of the new age. And when I start, when I do that post about what the new age really is, a lot of people are going to get really upset and praise God mm-hmm. for that. But like, I, I, I cannot get to the bottom of Christianity. I cannot. And that's not a statement about my, my incapacity. It's that it's truly infinite. And the, mm-hmm. the wonder and the glory of that, that I think a lot of these new age people are, are experiencing, formerly new age people are experiencing, and their own redemption and their gratitude for that, like truly being saved. Like I was explaining to my buddy, Sean, shout out Sean, that like the word saved to me, and I think this is probably the meaning of the word, doesn't mean that you were saved from hell. Like, yes, it does mean that. But the real powerful meaning of the word saved is you were saved from your own sin. Mm-hmm. You were like, say, like, that's what it means to be saved. You know, do mm-hmm. we heaven, hell? Like, you don't know that. You don't get to know that yet. That's an article of faith. But what you can say objectively, because this is the question, right? A lot of people say, like, am I really saved? Well, I don't know. Like, we're not that heaven and hell yet. So I guess we'll find out. But what you can say for sure is you lived one way before, and now you no longer live that way. You have been objectively mm-hmm. saved. So you can use that, mm-hmm. that metric. And it's glorious. And so I show up. And many others show up, you know, and 
in, in pure celebration and gratitude and glory. It's like, this matters. It's like, what? It doesn't, why does it not matter to you? <laughs> not you, you, but you know what I mean? Like, why does it not seem to matter to the people around me? Why is there not this like overwhelming, phenomenal gratitude? And I can't explain it, but so when, so when you say, you know, that your church is singing like that and you're passing that on to your kids with everything that you do, right? Because it's not like we, because if you, if you, um, if you show up at church and it only matters when you show up at church, you teach your kids that it matters for two or three hours on Sunday mm-hmm. versus if you're teaching it every minute of every day, you, you show them this is a way, a way of being which is what the Christians originally called themselves. We follow the way. We're not Christians. We follow the way, which is, I think that's a way better name for it. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I have, I mean, I have a, I have a, a million questions about that, but I, I think, I think the most interesting question that I could ask is not how did it get this way? Who cares? Mm-hmm. But for people who, who are listening because I suspect that I have a lot of uh, new age to Christ listeners, or I suspect, and this is, this is, it's not baffling to me, but it's like a, it's a blessing to me is the word that I have Mm -hmm. a lot of lapsed Christian listeners who find inspiration in me. People will reach out to me and tell me that that's incredible. How, you know, as, as a second generation homeschooler, you were raised in the faith. sounds like your wife was too. You have a faithful church. You disciple your your um, your kids, your and you've served overseas. And I do want to get to that part. Like it, it matters to you, and it's 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 part of your bones, and and like all the way down to your toes, like part of your toenails, mm-hmm. right? Like what what would you say to people who are new to the faith or renewed to the faith? to help bring some of what you have or what you embody into their own lives. And this is as much a personal question for me because I, I can feel myself investing more and more in my faith every day, learning to pray over meals and stuff like that. But there's this feeling of like, it's a growth journey. So for the people listening, like what advice would you give them, give me to help bring some of that feeling into their own lives if they don't get it in their own, if their own church and it's not necessarily part of their family. Hmm. So you're thinking just somebody that has said, like, is you just use you as a position and, yeah. and they're just say that there's frustrations that they're feeling about it. And they're looking for maybe a version closer to how I'm experiencing it because I've experienced it my whole life. Is that, uh, and it still matters to you. Like you've experienced mm-hmm. it your whole life and you don't take it for granted. Yeah, I know? guess um, my wife and I will talk about, you look at the Israelites leaving Egypt, the yeah. Red Sea parting, Pharaoh barreling down on their, uh, their tail, you know, the, the, the world economic and military power of the day. And how God just miraculously brought them out of bondage and, and said, promised land. And they went through the Red Sea and 
and the armies, you know, the armies on their tail and the the pillar of fire and Red Sea parted and on the other side and 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 you know encapsulate is completely overwhelms this army, you know, and you're free. Now you got the the Red Sea between you and and Egypt and immediately where are we gonna eat? You know, <sighs> where are we gonna get water? Grumbling. You know, uh, not that much longer later, Moses up on the mountain getting the law, and they have a drunken orgy and make a golden calf. <laughs> you know, like Ugh. these people, millions of people, literally saw God's power manifested in incredibly unique ways within days or weeks of that happening. This mm. isn't like, this is three generations removed and yeah. and dad told me about this Red Sea thing and every time he brings it up at Christmas time, it seems like it's a, it's a lie. Like, I don't know. This is literally everybody saw it with their own eyes, you know, or, or at, maybe it's millions of people, so maybe some of them didn't and, and they're getting told from the people in the back. I don't know. Like, uh, that's been God's people. That's the history mm-hmm. of God's people. You know, and in read, reading through Judges and reading through Samuel, you know, they did not teach it to their sons and their daughters, and they forgot. And they chased after the the Baals. Mm-hmm. They chased after the you know. It is it is it for God's people, and the history of it has been a lack of capacity to appreciate what God did having the son of God in front of them and being the ones that have studied everything ever written and still killing him, you know? And that is just, that is, um, you know, I guess a twofold thing. One, our own ability to mess things up and our own Mm -hmm. ability to pervert this in amazingly creative ways. And then two, the enemy, the father of lies, is a very crafty serpent. Mm. An incredible ability to package a lie in almost the same, not quite as well, as Jesus' ability to pinpoint what about the Pharisees and Sadducees would really tick them off. The enemy can craft a version of that lie for you and for me that turns everything that God means for freedom into bondage. We can be legalistic. Mm. We can use relationships. It poisons, and it's, he's, he's, a, he's a roaring lion prowling about seeking whom he may devour. Mm. And, and, and my pastor's assessment is that the way that the lie has been crafted for evangelical culture in America is to just put us to sleep. You know, we got, we got all these, all these great stories, you know, all this heritage and all this beauty and all this, you know, you talk about just all the great artists and the saints and these things that are behind us and that are with us on this path. Mm-hmm. We minimize it, you know. Yeah. Nate Wilson has a um a several years ago at Reform Con, uh, it's a talk where he says, "Do we really 
I think it's do we do we act like we believe? We say we believe. And about how much more non-Christians are fascinated by the universe, by what our heavenly yeah. father has knit together. And and in a sense, we walk out and we're like, oh, it's a little bit cold today. You know, <laughs> hope, hope I don't hit any traffic, God. You know, thanks for being mm-hmm. my co-pilot, um, you know, kind of thing. And so that is is the version of the lie that is rampant in our culture right now. And if you see it, praise God, you know, and, and I, and I would say is, is, um, there is not an obligation for us to save everybody. I think that is one of those like beliefs that, 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 that great commission is, is will you need to save as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's your purpose here. You know, no. Uh, do we go the other way and say, anybody that's supposed to make it into heaven, Christ is going to pull out of the mire that they're in, and I'm just going to be over here doing this? Like, no. We build, and we sing, and we make the best food, and we treat our, our wives the way that only someone who is saved by um, the imputed righteousness of Christ can. Mm-hmm. And, and we realize that, and I think it, in my mind, um, you know, when you see how complex this thing is and how many things are spinning simultaneously and how, and we just talked about earlier, how he can weave that together into his son descending from broken people to fulfill, you know, the, the statistics statistical probability of Jesus fulfilling what was written by all these people and all of it stacking up and all of it working both ways for the logical mind, you know, is, is you can't even comprehend. It's not even, you know, it's, it just can't happen. And this is, we know this, this text was written at this point. We know this actually happened and it all fits together and you can't fake that. It's too improbable. And, and and I grew up in the faith in the sense that one of the th- things I think that's a blessing for me is majority of my upbringing was just my dad and my six siblings in my in our house and not in a church. And mm-hmm. going through verse by word, verse, start at Genesis, work our through Bible, my dad discipling us. Now that's wow. great. It was, he took it seriously, and I can look at my dad, and I, he believes the word of God. Um, mm-hmm. there wasn't a corporate aspect as much as, as, you know, as, as me starting my own family with my own wife and kids, I decided to run towards the corporate aspect of this better. Okay. And so I, I got to experience in, in some cases, my dad being asked to leave churches because they were like, we want you here. You're only showing up once a month. It's very important that you're here every week for us, you know? And then my dad will be like, well, show me where it says I got to be here every week in scripture, every Sunday. And if you can't point to that verse, then, you know, I, you shouldn't require that of your people or whatever, you know? And so in some sense, yeah. you're like, it makes sense. Like there's two biblical, there's a session that's intentional about reading this word. And then you have a man who has seven children and up. Uh, 
successful businessmen and discipling them that are not agreeing on this text. And I can remember, you know, uh, you know, men and my being at our table and my dad and, and other men just hashing it out over stuff. And then even just kind of feeling awkward because I know how awesome my dad is and I respect this other man and I'm seeing them just get in it like heated about doctrinal stuff. And, and in a sense, as a kid, I'm like, this matters to both of these guys tremendously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Our families are in fellowship with each other. Maybe in, in the homeschool community, I think was the more the fellowship is there's a bunch of different churches, but we're all homeschooling. So there's relationships that are in a bunch of different churches. There's a bunch of different homeschool gigs and we're getting together for different, you know, academic things because that was the, the way our, our city worked out. I decided um, I'm going to try to find the best version where I am and I'm going all the way in with it. And I'm just going to trust in some sense the fact that there's, there's, a, there's a side of saying like there's some men that are looking at the same book and that are way older than me. And there's a safety in that, in a sense. Like mm-hmm. I also, I get to submit myself to that and listen to them. And I am going to be judged by how I submit to them how I treat them, how I respect them, how I honor them. And they're going to be judged on whether or not they shepherded me and mine appropriately. And, and I, I, I approach uh, like just war theory in a sense the same way. I can be a soldier in a war I don't agree with. I'll, like I don't agree with George Bush declaring this. I don't do it. Like, like, I'm not saying that that's my position, but I could, I could hold that position no, he didn't get clear authorization from Congress. This is, you know, Congress passed the buck to him. This shouldn't have happened this way. There should have been checks and balances. Should have happened differently, and still go and risk my life overseas mm-hmm. as a soldier, you know. And even just as I look at, you know, Christ didn't say to the Roman, "Go and renounce Roman citizenship, get circumcised, you know, marry a Jewish woman, and then maybe you'll get salvation." You know, you're mm. in a position where you are right now. And then even we see Paul in, in his writings, you know, saying like, it's not even about this outward thing, you know, or, and it's not about like, I baptized you or you baptized this, like, this is bigger than all of this. And so mm. I think that's some of the benefit of, and how I almost feel like I'm, I'm in some ways more like you in a way that I'm coming to uh, organized church. Mm. as a as a man and 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 my family we got married uh as a, a tw- um I was 23 and she was, my wife was 22 and we didn't go to church right, every week right away um we kind of she was in a orthodox presbyterian church I went to um went to a presbyterian church at Fort Benning and and we kind of didn't really just get together and be like, all right, we're going to be every Sunday, no matter what. We did go to church. We tried some things sure. out. We moved around. It wasn't until probably two or three years after we got married that I can say that we were just an every Sunday, um, we're going to show up. And mm-hmm. we, we just, we kind of started to see the benefits um, in our life, not by going and saying, give me two scoops of Jesus on Sunday, 
Um, cause I kind of feel like that's what it is. It's like, what's the little minimum that you can put on top of my cereal to give it something special, but it's not, it is not the, the bread of life. And, right. uh, it took us a little bit to realize that and then say, um, we're going to go all in, uh, on this. And, and one of, and when we, we moved to the Fort Bragg area, we were searching again. We had a great church in, we were at a very high church Presbyterian, it's actually independent Presbyterian church in Savannah, a 1700s building, like phenomenal architecture, organ in the background, choir loft, just a beautiful place to worship. And we knew we were, there was not anything like that where we were going. So we're like, let's look around and try to find something. And I went so the the Presbyterian church we're at now, and it was kind of like, this is kind of feels like it's got milk and it's not very relational. So I went over to the non-denominational church and I had, I had a 18 month old, I think, and a pregnant wife at that point. Hmm. And I was, I was watching the service and I was like, this, I have, have been to independent Presbyterian church in the 1700s building and this aesthetic and this choir like behind, you can't even see the choir. It just echoes with, with praise. And it's not about people. And it just, it, it, it permeates into your being, being a part of that. It's something otherworldly that God is doing. And then coming and looking for a church here, that mm. was that way. I, I just was able to contextualize that. And, but the first time, first time we went to this non-denominational church, three or four military families invite us out and say, Hey, we're going to Outback afterwards. We great. They have kids like their family is attractive, mm. but they had a smoke machine and one or two people doing a rock concert. And it was very, you know, like my pastor talks is like, God is rad. He's my dad. You know, it's just like this, you know, it's Skinny not jeans. how you approach the right. Lord of hosts that smote the firstborns of Israel or of, of Egypt and brought them out of bondage and parted the Red Sea and covered them up and provided them manna in the wilderness. And you can't even look at me or you will die. You'll, you, Moses, yeah. you can see the remnant of my garment as I'll put my hand. So as I pass by you, you don't see and die. You literally lack the capacity to take how amazing I am. And the mountain smoking and swallowing up the unfaithful and like, this is not a God to mess around with y'all right. at all. He is holy. And there's aspects about the, you know, the Jewish faith about like, they're not even going to write the name of God without going through ceremonial washing, without throwing away the, the, the quill or the stylus after they wrote it. And this under this reverence for who he really is and how far separated I really am from him yet access to him. Yeah. And so I have this 18-month-old son, and I have this, um, my pregnant wife, and I've, I've experienced this really rich tradition of worship and something otherworldly, and I'm looking at this, and I'm, it, it seemed cheap to me. But I'm like, why do I got to pick between a worship service that is God-honoring and a church that invites me out to dinner yeah. after worship? Yeah. Why does it, why do these certain, and we had a little bit of issue with independent Presbyterian, but we also started working with the youth group and then that led to relationships with parents and we're, you know, we're a young couple and we're trying to serve 
and I and I was in the military and I was like getting on the boys and I'm like, you guys do push-ups. That's ridiculous. You know, you guys are late, you know, and I'm like putting in some discipline in the youth group. And then mm-hmm. they're going back and telling their parents, like, this dude, he smoked us. And and then they're coming up and they're like, Man, your wife is 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 discipling our daughters and yet still don't have like uh, a older family and a lot of wisdom, but we're gonna serve out of what we have and realizing that when we just poured ourselves out, like it's crazy. You go on, you go say, I'm gonna help with the youth group. I'm gonna help, you know, I'm gonna chaperone. I'm gonna disciple these younger boys that I have. I'm gonna use my current experience today that led to better relationship. And it wasn't like waiting there and being like, well, if we don't get an invite to church this time, then honey, we are not coming back, you know? And a lot Mm -hmm. of people will do that as they come to church and they're like, what am I going to get? Let me, let me. And then they get it back in the car and they do an ROI on the church. What did I receive? Is, is the investment worth the return? What's the yield? You know, is it matching S and P? Is it matching what the world would give me if I went over here and we're doing it based on a pragmatic approach instead of I'm going to find, um, I guess and the other thing to nest into that is I'm going to find, I realized that what was going to happen is that the way that our church approached God and the way that, that the church's liturgy or the church's worship dealt with God and our relationship with him was going to affect my kid's view of who God is. Right. And so if I, it's going to be me too. It's going to be relationship. It's going to be all these things that are in their life reinforcing or helping. And I have to be probably the most significant uh, thing on earth as far as their salvation and and faith is concerned. But then that this church should reinforce a a right image of God. And so I was just like, I just can't go to the, the, um, the squishy one, Mm -hmm. the smoke machine, the rock concert, the, how can we make worship appeal to, um, and, and be a, a cheap, uh, cheaper copy of what the, what a rock concert is by the culture, you know, and, and it's actually in something that is timeless, something that is otherworldly, something that stands in stark contrast that even where you're at, you want meat, you know? Like you live the new age, you need like, what is what, what pin it down? Where does it touch? How does this equal this? And well, Mm -hmm. oh, whatever you think, like, I don't, it's, it's just for you and this is your path. And this, it's like, no, it can't be that. I'm telling you right now, this is a mess. It's gotta be something else. It's gotta be bigger. It's gotta be. um, And so I guess that's um, our criteria or my thing that I've kind of put out is find a church where the men are leading it. Mm -hmm. Not a male pastor, but there's a shadow female uh, mafia that is running things behind the scene. And it's a bunch of network whispering and, and, and creating, you know, Michael Foster talks about white knight syndrome. They'll create this drama Mm -hmm. and it's this false chivalry. I got to run over and save the women from whatever, not, um, where's your husband? Hey, where are you? What's going on over here? Deal with that right yeah. now, or you're yeah. under discipline. You know, like this is not okay. And yeah. and understanding hierarchy even there, like this is not something that the elder goes and addresses to the woman. This is the elders going to the man and saying, "Fix your house, bro. 
Like this is <laughs> this your 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 leadership is being, and it's not in a a uh, it's because if I, if I am not leading well at home and the elders go to my wife and be like, whoa, whoa, bro, what's going on? You know, like yeah. are you going to her and talking to her because you're scared of me, and you're actually scared? Like how does this work here? Yeah. And if you actually understand the hierarchy and if you're leading well. And you can go and talk to people and you can, but then there's this other side of it that God is bringing all of us to himself in a, a unique way as believers. There's, there's the sum of these relationships. And so the, the understanding that you, you can, we can look at people to the left and right of us and be like, I'm getting closer to Jesus faster. I'm a better <laughs> Christian, you know, that's how that works. And, and, and you're kind of back there and, and we can look at relationship and say, oh man, that guy's not really disciplining his kids very well. And he must be blah, blah, blah. And this, and you can start to he must not be saved. Yeah. <sighs> and that becomes, that's the whisper, contention, oh, divisive gossip. and gossip and me assessing or me saying, I think this, this dude needs some help. Like, Hey man, uh, you want, I'm not saying you gotta, but. Would you, can I share some stuff? And one of my, my pastor said, I've asked, like, hey, should I, how do I, you say, you go to the person, you say, this is something I have been learning, not I learned. I got the truth figured out. I'm bringing it to you. No, this is where I am. Right, yeah, no. This is stuff I've struggled with. And it's, it's easy for me to apply what I know now to a guy that's only got one kid. And how come he can't, like, am I really remembering where I was with m- just my first kid? And does it look like probably worse than what that guy's doing? Like that guy actually is probably ahead of me, even though I'm looking at it with my optic right now as 39 with five kids and he just had a second. How, how uh, ungracious is that of me to judge him by my standard that I am at right now? And he's there. And that ability to empathize and to say, but then also you don't lead younger men by coming up to them and smacking them around and being like, listen here, bro, you better, you know, fix yourself. It's like, can I get together with coffee with them and just be like, hey man, how's marriage going? What do you, how, you know, and just, you can ask, you know this, just sit there and ask a series of questions to a young man and let him talk and probably not say a whole lot. And he's going to come away and be like, whoa, you know? Because it's just like you're pulling some of these important things and forcing him to talk about it. And then, and, and, and I, there was a, a really good talk. I went to a retreat and just understanding kind of that arc as a man and, and what you, your maturity, um, and then you overlay spiritual, physiological kind of thing and just really understand people as being kind of you know, not to sound new age, but you're, you're practicing a way and you're on a path and that the path for sure needs to be going towards the one true God. And the only way we actually can get there is by way of his son. And there's aspects of this, but that, um, people are not photographs. You know, pastor says that too, like it's not frozen in time. Mm -hmm. They are beings that are changing literally, uh, like dynamically um, changing and experiencing things. And, you know, there's some stuff that's happening with, with men in my church. And I'm like, man, you're, 
your daughter is is two and she's working you over and you're losing, you know, she's running yeah. this right now. You yeah. need to lay the standard down better. But what I do to him is not say that. I say, keep it up, man. Fist bump. This is the battle. It's not that you get to sit through the whole yes. service. You're in it. You got this. You're going to get it. And, and the reliance on something bigger than me, it's not what I say to you that's going to fix you. It's us being in a relationship together. It's me continuing to mind my own household and us to show up together and to fellowship with each other. And you can ask if you want. I, very rarely, uh, even more rare, I should, should say, I got something if you want. you know. And there's just a very small amount of people that you can do that with well. And just and so you're going to have the whole spectrum at the church, and you're going to say, I'm probably only going to get to be really, really close with three to five guys here. And those three to five guys uh, are great. And praise the Lord, I have them. There's a, a bigger ring of 25, and then there's all the men in the church. And I don't, I'm not responsible for all of them. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for the two to three that I'm closest with. And then I need to act in a way that's not ticking everybody else off. But there's another side of this too is I, it's not leave your gift at the altar if you think someone else has a problem with you. <laughs> because there's, it's on him if, if, if he's, as I feel like that's the thing is you feel like, oh, I got to go searching. I feel like I'm getting some shade from that guy. Let's deal with it. It's like, if you can't man up and come talk to me about it, it yep. doesn't exist to me. Um, and, and I got to do an honest assessment. Did I do something wrong? Did I sin? Nope, I didn't. I know my heart posture. Seems like I'm pretty sure I can pin down what it is that maybe made him mad. Uh, I don't go to that guy and search it out. Come to me and talk to me about it if it was an issue. Um, and, and I can't go around and just make peace happen everywhere with everything everybody's ever you'd you know and 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 i'm just not responsible for that i'm responsible no, before the lord and my heart posture and and so i think that's the 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 gospel of always be nice is that if yeah, you say something say. you say something that's hard hitting and they don't like it and you can tell they're mad about it like maybe if you spit hypothetically, if you were to share a post about Will, that Will Spencer wrote about people being fat and <laughs> I get somebody read it about who has a fat wife and Ooh. doesn't like it. And you can tell like, you know, and even just my wife is saying that, like, you're going to write this. And I think it's very helpful to have real personal relationships with people in the flesh that are in the boat of what you're, you're and, and be okay with them reading it. You're not yeah. reading it. You're not writing it because you have figured out the truth and they have no idea. And if you don't say the truth to them, they're going to hell. You're writing it because you believe there's a more excellent way yeah. that we're all running towards. And, and it's because God said it, not because I said it. And if you're That's offended... Right. And I'm speaking, really speaking the truth. I'm not thinking, oh, I, 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 um, I know the truth and I've got it. I figured it all out. I'm unchanging. I'm all powerful. And you need to get to where I'm at. Or, boy, <laughs> like, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this is happening in the church. 
This is something that we've not dealt with. We need to deal with it. And if you have a problem with me, the way I said it, it might be sin in your life. Yeah. It might not be sin in mine. And you can critique my delivery. I mean, I had a conversation in a group chat that was in, my, in the room when I did my county before country um, speech. And he was like, brilliant, by the way, that's going, I'm, gonna, I'm putting that yeah. on, I'm putting that in the show notes. The, uh, I didn't particularly resonate with your tone of voice, you know, <laughs> but what a, what a weak. Well, but he said, that's okay. Okay. Better. You know, <laughs> I'm, I think I sent it to you actually. He's like, I'm an attorney and I have to engage with all these people and I can't treat people as cardboard cutouts. It's like a little jab, you know, like, and I, I think that. The thing I was, I was ranting about this a little bit is like when people, when I say something spicy that, that is ultimately driving at collectively, um, people within my sphere becoming more like Christ and, and me becoming more like Christ. And you think that you don't like how I said it. Um, you think that I need to say it like you think I should say it, you know? And, and that's a revelation that I've had in the last year, less than a year, is that Heraclitus quote, you know, out of 100 men, 10 shouldn't be there, mm. 80 are just targets, nine are real fighters and we're lucky to have them, but one, one is a warrior and he will bring the others back. And that's not, the tar- that's, that's not just bringing the nine back, that's not just bringing, that's bringing yeah. the 80 and that's bringing the, the 10 that shouldn't be there. He's, he, his uh, warrior spirit, his ability to, to lead and to fight saves everyone. And, yeah. and that ultimately is Christ and him laying down and him leading and him fighting in such a way that saves everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, realizing I, I am not going to craft my message ever for the 10 that shouldn't be there. Go ahead and get up and get out. Not going to make it. Or the 80 that are just targets. I want to make the nine that are real fighters better. And I want to make, become the nine of us to all try to become the one, Christ, that brings us, brings everyone home. Mm -hmm. And so my message is for 9% of men or less. So at County Before Country, doing the quick math. There's 500 people in the room. I got 40 something that it's for. It, you know, the rest, it's not for you, you know? And, 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 not, and I'm not writing my speech or I'm not thinking, I mean, I wrote it in like a few minutes. Like I thought that maybe <laughs> I would get the chance to get up there and I was just like, what is the most pressing thing I'm seeing for this group of men? I've been here with them for a couple of days. I just, I don't want to, like, we, we cannot um, qualify things excessively anymore at the current yeah. state of things. We no need to find November the nine flight. guys. Yeah, we need to find the nine guys. We need to make each other better. And we need to take it to the enemy. And if I'm trying to figure out how to make the 80 wake up, and you can be a real fighter too. And, and the 10 guys that are sleeping, um, somebody's got a heart for those men and God bless them. That's not what I'm here for. 
Mm. you know, and, and God gave me this experience that I gave me to be able to go after the nine that are, are even maybe still have idolatry and I can speak to them in ways nobody else can. And other people are going to get a benefit from it. And I went to a church in Huntsville, my home hometown, and it was the first time, you know, I've been podcasting long enough and people knew who I was and wives were going to my wife. And it was just like really weird because. Oh my God, you know, are you Nate like, Spearing? I love your podcast. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> having a guy um, that is there that I went to high school with, you know, and he's, he was, I think he was one year behind me. And he's like, bro, I lost 10 pounds since your talk. And Amazing. We've, we, Amazing. we saw each other. Um, last Thanksgiving, I did a, a social that we, we sent out to the, the, there's a Psalm sing that happens in Huntsville that the men get together and at the brewery and sing Psalms together and, and throw back some pints and, and our blessing. So I was like, Hey, I'm coming to town. Let's do a little social. We had 90 men there. Um, you know, Everybody I was look like, not fat. Nate is coming. Yeah. And I, I did a quick my theology of violence, which is kind of one of my staple uh, keynote things. And, and we talked and, and he was there and it was so cool. It's like, I haven't seen this guy since high school, you know? And, and then he was like, you know, his wife told my wife at church, like my one claim to fame is, is, uh, is that I, I saw him in high school and I was like, if that guy doesn't go to special ops, then it's a, a waste of talent, you know? But then even just the fact that in God's economy, I can speak in, Ohio, and I can put the clip on YouTube, and a guy that is in Huntsville, Alabama, who I went to high school with, who knows me and my family and has known me for a long time, can hear it and say, this is something that I need to fix. And he's like, I've been working yeah. out. I work out, but I haven't worked out, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm serious now. I'm going to lose some weight. And to see that arc and, and you and I both know in this space, this is never about what you and I did. And it's, it's about what we do today. And it's about what Christ did. And when you put yourself in that position, and when you say something spicy on stage in front of 500 people, and you make a lot of people mad, and there's fallout on the internet, but one guy that I've known for 22 years or 23 years says, I lost 10 pounds, bro. You're right. I, I, I realized that I was working out, but I wasn't really working out and I need to get after it. And that's one of dozens, you know, and, and to, to, it's not based on, am I going to offend people in this room? It's what is the truth that a certain number of men here need to hear that I can speak to mm -hmm. out of my experience, out of what I do, and I'm full send on it, bro. Yeah. And if you can't handle it, which I'm a pretty freaking intense dude, I'm probably going to white you out because I did a, a bunch of things that you can never do, but it's not because of anything I did, because that's what God told me to do. And you're supposed to do something. You're supposed to be a lawyer. You're supposed to be offended at the fact that I said it. And you can acknowledge that you didn't like the tone, but that God still has a place for me in his body as many parts, one body, you know, you're, you're the, the pointer finger. I'm the right knuckle, you know, like that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't all need to get compartmentalized for you. It, 
and it's working. And that's, I think when you see the church working and when you have eyes to see and you see that happening and, and you, and it's not, Oh, I'm the one that got this guy to the church. Like even just to see, you know, we have some guys that came to our church because of my podcast and I would love it. Like in, in my mind, podcasting is worth it. If one marriage happens mm-hmm. out of the, out of these couple families that show up, my, one of my kids gets a spouse and that's something God did too, but that metric and one guy loses 10 pounds that wouldn't normally have and is having dominion in his family in a way that he wouldn't. And you'll, and, and thank the Lord he's given me an optic to, he's give, he's, he's seen fit to give me little glimpses as I go through this process. And, and may I always continue to grow in grace towards others that aren't, are struggling. And may I, and may I, you know, I, I view it as hostage rescue. Like mm-hmm. if you really view these lies as death and, and people are tangled in lies, you want to free them. And the only thing that frees them is the truth, you know? And, and even just that picture of, of Eustace and, and, uh, and he's a dragon and Aslan's peeling the scales off of him. And he's got to go through that painful process, that sanctification to be transformed back into uh, his human form after he's been a monster to this point. And it just happens, you know, in a, in a unique way to that person. And thank the Lord that I get to be a part of this body and see these little glimpses. Not all of it. Not, and we're not meant to, you know. We're not supposed to know everything to that point. We don't, we're not owed an apology by every person that every, you know, my, my wife has yeah. a um, notebook that she, you know, facetiously wrote, uh, you know, a list of perceived slights, you know, like, and that's, I, you know, we literally do that. We keep this notebook of perceived slights against us. And it's that, uh, calling the debt where that the servant that was forgiven by the master and we go and throw our fellow servant in debtor's prison. And that's, and, and, and we, we, so many of us as Christians live and I, I will get into that rut all the time. Shoot. Nope. I'm forgiven a debt. Do you really believe you've been forgiven a debt? Do you really believe there's no way you could have paid that back? Okay. Go therefore, you know, and, and, and it's, it's not, it's something that that's very easy for me sitting in this chair on the podcast to talk about. It's not easy in real life with real people and, and that commitment to that. And the belief that being in that place with the group of people in the city that, is, that are doing it the best, you know, that you can find, and then to see the fruits of that um, happen, you know, to have a guy, I mean, one of these, one of the, the things I, I think I've talked about this before, uh, a friend of mine was killed overseas, who was a Christian before his first year and first year wedding anniversary. And his spouse was trying to sell her house mm-hmm. and go back home after losing him tragically in combat. Couldn't sell her house. Another friend of mine starts coming to our church, single guy that has a, a colored past and was not a Christian. And, you know, he ends up marrying this widow. And, and God orchestrated the first Sunday she came to our church. Our pastor did a sermon on a guy who was killed on his 30th birthday. And her husband had been killed on his 30th birthday. So like wow. I seeing something like that where a pastor can 
my pastor reads his sermons word for word. Um, so he's written this sermon maybe weeks ahead of time, thought it through, prayed it over, adjusted it. And, and I know he's taking stuff out, like literally walking up there like, ooh, something just happened. I'm leaving that out um, or whatever. Um, and then you have this girl coming in, widowed, you know, but just a few few weeks and that sermon is literally directly to her. And then I got to be the one that knew him and, and his legacy on the battlefield and things like that and knew her story. And I got to see that story intersect and know for a fact that my pastor preached a sermon based on something that he was studying, but that spoke right to a widow who God wouldn't let her house sell because she was trying to move away. And this other guy starts saying, hey, what's going on with this church stuff? And shows up and goes all in. Mm. And then they end up dating and get married and they just had their fourth kid, <laughs> you know? And I get to be in his wedding and dance, you know? And then to see an elder go take a daughter of that where the, the, the husband's not in the, and him dance at the father-daughter dance with this other girl and this beautiful tapestry that the Lord is doing all these intersecting stories and, and to get to, to be so fortunate that God gives you little snapshots of that. Mm -hmm. You don't get that. If you're not all in, you're missing those. You're missing that. Like if you're holding back and you're like, you know, let the fleece be dry this time, let the feast be wet this time. You know, I guess you still are going to get that. You're missing some of that, I would say, if you're holding back and you're not going in and you're missing uh, mm -hmm. being a part of stories that God is writing and you're missing uh, getting little chapter reveals or little foreshadows or little in twists that God likes to. I mean, you know, it's what Doug's saying. If, you know, you think this is going to happen, you obviously don't understand the author and you don't understand character development, you know, like, yeah. like. We, we know the author. We see the brokenness. We see what has happened in, in human history. We have a testimony of it. And yet we walk in and we act like those Israelites that just watched the Red Sea swallow up Pharaoh's army. And, and we call a, you know, a two cent debt on somebody. And, and that's, that's, we're minimizing our own ability to have joy in life when we do that. Um, bitterness hurts us most of all, lack of forgiveness, lack of covering over sin hurts us most of all. It gives us a flawed optic to view other people. It makes us, uh, makes great, our grace cheap. It profanes the Lord among the Gentiles, the blasphemes, the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and we got to get, we got to stop it. And that's why I feel like, um, maybe both of us have a position in the church to be like, get in the room, bro, with this other brother and, and sort it out, man. Like, this is bigger than that, you know? And why I'll have, you know, we, I, I, when I had Anthony Esselin on my podcast, he's a Catholic guy, you know? There's a lot of Protestants going after Catholics, you know? There's a lot mm. of Catholics going after Protestants. There's a lot. Of, and, and while people are getting their genitals cut off at children's hospitals, you know? And, and that doesn't mean that we make light of it. Doesn't mean that we, we minimize the importance of truth. 
It doesn't mean that we aren't convicted to our core about our doctrines and our beliefs, but what is the byproduct of that? Right. Is that I'm going to go square this away online, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to write this, this scathing blog post. Um, or is it, I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to fly over there. And the bottom line is pastors aren't any better at this than laymen. And sometimes like, you know, I think the bigger pastors that we've mentioned understand a lot better about how I'm going to address heresy. I, I see the, the greater, um, manifestations of this not being addressed publicly. It was said publicly, it's got to get addressed and, and, and you can look at the fruit of their lives and, and trust that they're walking before their God, um, honorably, but, but, but just because you have a PhD, uh, just because you have an MDiv, you know, you don't understand Matthew 18 still, you know, and, and my dad has said PhDs don't equal maturity. You know, and that is we're in a day and age where, you know, Twitter bios have your theological clout. You know, this is the <laughs> this is the the books that I've written. This is how many this is how many demons I've cast out in 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 Christ's name, you know, and 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 they're going around acting like little boys on the internet, you know. And and you need to just have an understanding, just be like, you're not this is even me engaging this and me even re responding to this or me being out, like entering into this fight, particular fight isn't mine. And like, I got to put my phone down and go and read some books to my kids, you know, or, or whatever. And those are all, I think things that become more clear, the deeper you go into fellowship with people in the flesh, seeking after the, the father. Right. You know, it, it gives you the context. It gives you the fabric to decipher and understand, even just read behind the lines on that Twitter line. Like, like, you know, well, I don't know what the, you know, 80% chance this is a human, you know, on the other end of the line or <laughs> whatever Twitter, it is. 20%. Yeah. 20% yeah. chance this is a human. This human has real feelings. I can actually click on the bio. I can look at their media tab. I can see who their husband is. I can see their daughters are have purple hair. Mm. Like there's more to this story. This Maybe is a complex human being. Yeah. You know, um, I really wish this human being was in church because they could be ministered to in the flesh. I'm not that person, you know, bless and release. That's my mm -hmm. wife and I's thing that we got from somebody else, you know, just, Lesson release, man. Like I hope, I hope the best for you. I'm in a battle over here for my children's souls, you know. Um, and 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 just even that understanding, you know, for you to say, like you can say, oh, I don't have a wife, I don't have kids uh, yet, and but there's there's kids in your in your service, you know, and there's young men that will will look up to you, and in the in God's economy. It's not just you're a partial Christian until you can have seven homeschooled kids and no. a wife that has a head covering. There you know, people, there are people who seem to feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> that's 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 they're they're gonna they're missing out on the opportunity to take Will's story and appreciate their own faith more. Right. You know, and that's, that's like hard. even why I said I want to have you on the on the podcast, even though we're both. Uh, maybe refugees into organized religion. Uh, 
Christianity. Mm. I've been in the faith my entire life, but but there's something I can learn from your journey uh, to this point. And there's something beautiful and there's something incredibly unique about the heavenly father that I get to learn about and I get to talk about and other people get to listen into and get to understand and to just literally, this isn't, we have worth because of what we do or don't do or because of, of how in shape we are or how many of the commandments we have kept since our youth. Mm-hmm. But, but we're all testimony of God's faithfulness and how many unique ways he can weave this story together. And, and that's a, a phenomenal way to view other people. It's a, it's a lifelong pursuit to, to, to walk it out. And depending on how tired you are and, and your nutrition of the day and whether or not, you know, uh, you, you, you achieved what you wanted to in that time, it it changes how you act to that person that moment. Um, but there's just a profound opportunity to, to walk along the way with other people. And then those on the outside, I think will marvel if we are walking it out that way, they will understand a new thing about the father. They'll see an image of him. It will poke at something that was, you know, because that's the other side of the poking is as a Christian, you can poke at it and you can hit the mark and it equals Will stumbling into this thing and saying, I've been stumbling around this place for a little bit. This is different. What, who are you people? You know, Mm. and I want to know more about this. And then, baptized, you know, Mm. ultimately out of that, like being able to tell something was different in a sea of ideas, in a sea of, of, of philosophies, in a infinitely complex tapestry, you could tell there was something legit about this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and if my pastor and those people sat down, they probably disagree on a lot, you know, but yet my, they brought you to the faith, you know, exactly. or, if, or if Jeff, we t- I think we talked about on the podcast, if Jeff sat down with them, there would be theological differences yet. Do- yeah. Doctrinal. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, doctrinal differences yet you're in Jeff's church, you know, and by way of these people that are way different and I'm had the- a completely different battle plan on how they're engaging in spiritual warfare than he does. And yet, and, and yet Sorry, not to, and yet they went to Burning Man, and mm-hmm. Jeff goes to the Mormon Temple. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, and so there's a way in which that they're doing two totally different things, mm-hmm. but they're doing the same thing. Yep. And 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 and, and just I, I want you to get back on that thought. But for that reason, like I am the last person to get into denominational battles, mm-hmm. right? Like a bunch of charismatics found me at Burning Man. Mm-hmm. And now I go to Reformed Church, and I'm and and then I'm in Doug Wilson. This is a Doug Wilson term. I'm a Chestertonian Calvinist. Mm-hmm. I love Calvinism. I'm the mm-hmm. last person to be like your denomination is wrong. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean, right? So there's well, a- we have to produce this video before this podcast goes live, and somebody steals it from us. But I've been wanting to make this for a while. That scene in Braveheart, they experience that victory, and they're all around the the Lord's. Uh, and the nobles of of the day are there, 
and they mm-hmm. say, this is the point. You've experienced this success, William. Now is the point that you, since you come from an area long hailed by the Balio clan, we want you to, uh, you know, endorse us to be our people to be king. And then this other noble clan is like, those documents were fake when you wrote them. And, and they start fighting. Yeah. And William Wallace starts walking up the steps. And, and, and they, they say, hey, stop, stop, stop. William, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, I'm going to invade England. You know? And that's me in denominational fights. <laughs> Same. I'm going to, and they're laughing at him. And he's like, you're so busy squabbling over the scraps from Longshank's table that you've yeah. missed your God-given right to something better. And that is not every church no. in America, no. not my church, not yours, not Doug's, but very few are invading England. And the rest are squabbling over who's going to get to be the board chairman and the denominational guy and is Crossway going to give me a new book deal and can I get my, my face on Christianity Today while, while I double mask and double vax and, and, and divorce my wife and cheat and all these kinds of things, we invade England, you know? And yeah. that's not, that's not uh, physical always, um, although, you know, that's some of my message in the theology of violence. Like, um, you know, that I think is one of the most unique things about what I talk about is you need to be a dangerous man and understanding biblical meekness right. is, is infinite capacity. The Lord of hosts and his and the angels and the captains of the Lord's army at my disposal if I'm in sin, if I'm in uh, submission to the Heavenly Father. And I cannot be beat, and I am bold, and I am taking names here um, in the spiritual war. And sometimes that equals, you know, uh, fending off an intruder in my house. Sometimes that equals going to a foreign battlefield and engaging in small arms, you know, uh, close quarters battle. And sometimes that equals reading, you know, stuff. But I, as a man, as a poet, in every domain, you know, that there is, that is as a, a martial discipline and art form. And it is functional as well. And it is, yeah. it is complex and it is, it feeds into every other area. And that's why working out is also part of that. You know, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to um, convince Christian men in, you never had, the reason why there's not anything in the Bible, like there's very few things in the Bible about working out is because they just knew they needed to be able to go and rescue their kin from a neighboring kingdom. And no, there was right. no, there was no nine one one for Abraham. That's right. You know, or there was, but it was a runner going over the hill whilst everyone's being hauled off into captivity, you know? And so that's part of the historical context that we miss as Christians in a very comfortable era. And we got, uh, you know, massive amounts of traction when Jordan Peterson says, be a dangerous man, you know, 
and and Jocko and all that, but we don't have uh, uh, guys that could sit in at the same table with Jocko. And you know, yeah, he practices jujitsu and he'd kick my butt, you know, um, compared to my level of jujitsu or whatever. But can can actually go toe to toe and not feel uh, inferior to him, you know, because yeah. of what he did as a soldier or whatever. And then even just that true understanding. That that's not everyone's job, you know. And I don't get right. to say, "Oh, I'm so much better because I did this," you know. Right. Um, and 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 and, but the days are coming when, as a man, you will need to defend your household uh, more so than you do now. Is that a hundred years from now? Is it you know five hundred years from now or whatever? If you if you understand the ebb and flow. And you know the long term and short term cycle of history, um, we're experiencing a pretty long run of some good stuff, you know. And it and it is not uh, in the in the political sphere, in the economic sphere, uh, tending towards uh, things getting better. Um, and yeah. that that isn't as a post mill Christian, you know. Let's see if we can get a missile silo at auction and store everything below ground. Uh, and and hide and make sure right. we got enough O2. You know that's that's you know for me that's chickens that's more land that's hopefully beef cow and pigs this year that's me liaising with other people that are doing it ahead of me that's me prescribing the church needs to bring that uh, into the forefront understand food and 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 security and things like that but that's only one part you know and we do that out of. Uh, economic abundance. We do that out of margin, time, and money, and uh, you know it's just, and it's it's it's, you know it, it's there's a gas leak, and we can all smell it, and we don't solve the gas leak by everybody pinching their nose, <laughs> and pretending like it's not there, you know, like, um, and there's a lot of gas leaks going on uh, in our well, society. Well, and you know, the society is one thing, you know, like the, like the gas has been leaking in society. Oh, I don't know. When do you want to start? You know, pick your, pick your favorite. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can, you can start there. Like it's all, it's shades of gray up until that point. But I think, I think what people are, are, and myself are, is, um, is more concerned by like, excuse me, I could walk up to a secular man. And confront him with all these ways that he needs to be a better man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the conversation would go better with him than it would with a Christian man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and the frustrating thing. That's is a problem. I can have a conversation with a Canaanite and, and an Israelite. You know, you're, you're supposed to be in the camp, bro. And, and you're more mad, you know. Right. And it's not because you're you're making a philosophical theological you know argument why it's not in scripture it's emotional it's not it's yeah. it's not you know and and that doesn't mean that what i said was was you know in the right tone either you know and so i can even well, say but, but like there's this there's this idea that like if you just if you just find and i don't think it's true if you just find the right words in the right tone 
then magically the flower will open and everyone will be like, wow, I've never, I've never seen the light before. There's no magic mm-hmm. word. There, there are more correct words and less correct words and more correct tone and less correct tone. But there's no mm-hmm. perfectly correct tone where 100% of the people are going to listen. This Because this is a trap that mm-hmm. I get caught in with my writing is that if I just, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I put that comma there, it does get down to this. If I put that comma there. Is that going to change the whole thing? Like this perfectionism that it's like as if it's a magic spell. And like, and, and, and there isn't the only thing, the only thing that I can control that I've discovered that I can control is what is, I like this term heart posture. Where's my Mm -hmm. heart at when I'm Mm -hmm. writing this and is it reflecting through the words? And when Mm -hmm. I put those obesity posts up there, is my heart in the right posture? Am I approaching this with a spirit of humility? You know, am I using the word, you know, we instead of you, right? Or Mm -hmm. I instead of you? Am I making sure that this is that this thing that I'm writing that I know is going to be confronting, right? Mm -hmm. Is includes 360 degrees, including me. It's not like all of you guys, me up on stage is some pinnacle of everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. We're in it together. Yeah, exactly. And that's the only thing, that's the only thing that I can know for sure. Now there is the, mm-hmm. there, like, and, and this is where social media can be a bit difficult and, you know, where it's like, it's very easy for, for in the spontaneity of the moment to grandstand, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to step into this, you know what I mean? And that's what, that's what Twitter ends up being for one way or another. The immediacy of it is like, is that the part of myself that really needs to be coming forward in that mm-hmm. moment? And Twitter, the immediacy of Twitter invites that right? Social media is kind of designed in this way to get the hot take out there because that creates engagement Mm -hmm. and everything. But when we're talking about, when we're talking about a lot of these issues, even if we have put in all the work and put in the effort and done the wordsmithing and use the thesaurus and run it, you know, hit friend before you hit send and you did all the things to make it Mm -hmm. as best as you possibly can without dragging into a several week process to write an Instagram post there's still this quality of like, people are going to get mad. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's not going to, it's not going to reach everybody and they're still going to make you responsible for their hurt feelings. And that is part of the nature of doing the battle. Well, I think one of the coolest things about even being in this perspective is, is being able to send like, Hey, I just said this online. This is what happened to 25 men in my church. Mm-hmm. and then talk about it with people that know me, you know, or even then send it to your elders before you send it out because there's this uh, relational building kind of, even just with you sending me your um, obesity post and saying, you know, review this and it's worth it to get one or two little pointers yeah. and even things that, and even I could say something like, yeah, don't buy that. I'm not going to change it. And I'm okay with Hey, hey, Will, we're going to be friends only if you make these three edits that I said you should make. You know, it's like, no, I understand you are responsible and you asked, uh, you know, so here we go and we'll say what we, we, and it'll sort itself out. And, and it's because we both are like, we get where the truth we're trying to point people towards is not, you know, Nathan's book of truths or Will's book of truths. It's, it's the book, you know? And the the most authoritative body of literature ever, um, by a long shot, you know, mm-hmm. of to anything 
um, as far as, as, as any kind of metric for literary authenticity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, even realize it's like, okay, these guys are in my church and, you know, some of them don't like it. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to send it out. That doesn't mean there's not going to be discussion. And it doesn't mean that I need to go back around and ask every, all 25, Hey, we good, right? We good. You know, whatever. It's like, if we're not good, come, come at me, come and tell you me, know? and, and we, we can, we can walk this out. And we can all be men and it can all look, I guess one of the things about that is, is for a long time, I wanted to hear from the session or from my pastor, like you need a good job. Keep going. You, you got our blessing. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Like I listen to faithful preaching and teaching. And then I go out those doors and I get it with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and even then, like it, it may not like it or may not agree with the style but we got enough understanding to say, you know, and I, and I have said, you know, we, if we're trying to reach somebody at a, a, a part of, if you just use the path in that arc, we're trying to specifically pull somebody out of this. We have to come at it a certain way and we have to, to, to take into account. And that's the, the beauty of relationship can't be mass produced. You got to actually take the time to understand that person's story. You have to understand. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we're not going to use tools and we're not going to put stuff out in mass to 10,000 people and take our time and get it benefit and there be yield from that and to pray over it and say, let this bring about relationships that I ever, and even you know, recently had a guy who's like, man, I'm in Ohio and I, I can't find any church. And I like jumped on and used my couple lists that I go to, to try to find a church. And I found one 30 minutes from him and he's like, goes over there and he's like, I stayed there uh, for three hours. It was the best sermon I heard in 20 years. And to understand like, okay, that was because of a podcast that Eric Kahn had me on. And then he listened to my podcast and then he messaged me on Instagram. And then now he's at a church in Ohio. And that's how God can use yeah. that. And to say, Okay, God's given me enough of those individual little stories and enough messages from people that I know I'm on the right track. You know, I know, and that doesn't mean that everything I've said has been perfect, but it means that there's a yield and he's showing me a little bit of it. And, and it's at a time when I feel like unplugging the whole thing and burning it all down. And, you know, and it's like, no, hey, message from this guy. It's whatever. And, and, but at the same time, it's way easier the disciple men via Twitter and Instagram and via podcast than it is in your own church. And so that's a, a commitment. Well, you have to have um, the authority within your own church, first of all. True, true. And, and that is, and even, but even at that site, like I can always ask a 23-year-old newly married guy, do you want to go get coffee? And I'll buy, you know? and see what happens, mm. you know, and that requires, and, and, and it's less, there's less glory in that than thousands and thousands of downloads and, you know, thousands mm. of likes and retweets and stuff. It, it, about, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, there's, look, look, uh, the only reason I say that is because I, I interact with people in my, in my DMS on Instagram and through email all the time. And it's not the same as getting coffee with someone in person, but like, to me, when people, when people tag me on an Instagram story, 
And they say, you know, Will, that your posts about masculinity and femininity have really, femininity have really affected my marriage and my life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that there was there was as much glory for me personally in that as like a tweet that had, you know, like 1,200 likes. Yeah, you know, like and I would argue a- that you are you are actually saying the part about what is glorious about a coffee with one person is the metric. Like the fact that one person yeah. was affected by it is the glorious part it's it's not the um it's not the the downloads and the likes and this thing like it's the individuals that are are able to be free from certain aspects of the lie mm-hmm. and and that is compounding now from that point forward they're operating out of that i was just saying it's sometimes it can be easier than making that phone call and it can oh, feel yeah, better okay. than than just saying, oh, this is just going to be one guy and it's going to be two hours and it, it's, I don't really, when do I have the time? And maybe that's the, the thing we need to do mm-hmm. um, it, or do a little less online to enable that, you know? And that's yeah. before the Lord. That's the heart, same heart posture. That's wisdom. That's application of principles. Um, and, and that's, um, it's, it's uh, it, it all, we answer for it all. Yeah. You know? I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this about me, but, um, I used to be super liberal. I used to live in San Francisco (laughs) and I was actually part of, I was actually part of Occupy uh, Wall Street in San Francisco. Yeah, man. Yeah. So the thing was, is the reason why that happened was because to to this very point, it's that like, I would watch Jon Stewart and and Keith Olbermann and Rachel Maddow every night. And I would shake my fist, those Republicans and laugh at all the jokes and, and stuff like that. And then um, in 2010, it was 2010. Uh, so Obama got elected. And then in 2010, the Republicans retook the House. And during those two years, 2008, 2009, 2010, I was watching, I was watching all the MSNBC TV shows, like literally every night I'd get back from work and, and would watch them. And I realized that all the, all the, um, all the digital participation, shaking my fist at the TV and laughing, didn't make a damn bit of difference in anything. That would create mm-hmm. this illusion of progress. And so mm-hmm. that's why when Occupy uh, San Francisco started, you know, I, I um, it was a really formative moment in my life. I'm like, okay, someone is actually showing up to protest a thing and all mm-hmm. and, and, and in support of all the values that I say that I hold dear, right? Mm-hmm. They're actually showing up, putting their bodies on the line. So what I did was... Um, they were saying, you know, we want people to show up and look professional. So it looks like it's not just, you know, people like scrubs, mm-hmm. you know? So I put on, I put on a blue blazer and a pair of blue jeans and a button up shirt, right. And got dressed and I took all the money out of my wallet. And, and I, I, I think I, I left, must've taken my phone with me. I probably took my phone with me, but like just my ID and a car and a credit card because I'm going down there as the camp is getting ready to be raided. Like they're talking about, you know, the police are going to show up and forcibly remove people from Justin Herman Plaza. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, now is the time for me to show up and put my body on the line for what I say Mm -hmm. I believe in knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, like people had gotten seriously injured by police activity. You know what I mean? This was what was happening in New York at the time. I swear to you, I was on that bus and I was shaking. I've never been Mm -hmm. so scared in my entire life. I was like, I called some friends. I said, look, if I don't, if I don't come home, you know, today, like, yep. please call my job and let, let them know. And, and, you know, I've got to, 
my ID and phone numbers and stuff. Like if I get hurt or killed or something like that inadvertently, yeah. like, you know, it was like, I could really, I could really die. I could, I could literally like through no, through no, not even through malicious police action. But you know, when you link arms and a cop comes to grab you, people fall, they trip, hit their head on the concrete all the time through, you know, you just through that kind of conflict, you know, but it was a real possibility, but it's for that very same reason. The reason why I tell that story, that was a pivotal moment for me because getting involved in Occupy helped me see how, just how crazy liberals really are and Mm realize, and and realize that they're all, they're all picking on little different, different aspects of a much deeper systemic problem and recognizing the deeper systemic problem sent me in this whole other journey that helped me be here, but that's a whole other conversation. So, but the difference is that it would be, it's really easy to create content and broadcast broadcast it out into the internet and Mm -hmm. feel like I'm helping. And maybe Mm -hmm. you are, and maybe you are, Mm -hmm. but there's something very different about, no, I'm going to show up with my body. I'm going to show up with my time, with my eyes, with my Mm -hmm. engagement, with my focus and be there with a person and give them the the gift of myself, of my presence, of my attention, of my Mm -hmm. full focus with this person is a very different and no, like, I want to say it's complimentary because obviously there are people that do incredible work creating content and don't work one-on-one with people. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to throw it all out, but to say like, you, like there's a component of needing both. There's a component Mm -hmm. of, yeah, create killer content about, you know, Christian masculinity. Great. But it's like, Mm -hmm. are you, are you showing up in person for someone that you can help? Are you making yourself available are you, mm-hmm. are you, are you paying with yourself for something mm-hmm. that won't get you any, any glory? Like, cause you can show up and you can minister to this young kid, 23 year old first time father, for example, in your case. Right. And like, give him your time and attention now. And he may never, you know, he may never listen to your podcast or even know your, learn your last name. Mm-hmm. Right. You may never hear from him again, or well, hopefully he'll keep coming to church. But like six months later, he might be like, Hey, that that conversation we had really helped square me out. And now I'm leading my family much better and my kids are following. And it's like, you might've just made a general generational impact on that family. Mm-hmm. Right. But you'll never, you'll never know versus, you know, uh, you know, my Instagram post went viral and 10,000 people liked it. Like, yep. God bless that for sure. Mm-hmm. Like there's power in that, but like getting, get like getting your hands dirty into somebody's life if, with invitation, you know, or, or actually showing up to put your body on the line for something, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing like that. It reorients everything instantly. It's like, oh, wow, this is, this is real. It's not like we live on these screens. You and I are talking through a screen right now and mm-hmm. we get like, go from one screen to the other. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a world out there. Maybe I should go mm-hmm. be a part of that. And that's, that's, that's messy that's yep. high friction and it's inconvenient, you know, and it's like, you know, there's micro expressions. Like, did he just, did I say something wrong? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All these things show up and well, it hasn't been that long in human history that you could put something out that would touch that many people. Right. And that would be controlled, would be put out in a way that you feel like you're actually seeing what you want to see but it's actually being manipulated behind the scenes. And All of it. You, yeah, it's so there's, there is, you know, as, as we learn more about what happened in Twitter and what all these things, it's like, oh, you know, 
we we kind of knew some of us did, and this is this was perceived and and the and the really showing up aspect of things, um, you know, and that's you know I think that's why I feel like there was this crossroads, and you and I have talked about this before too, where I was trying to figure out do I go kind of vanilla and talk about you know higher power and outside yourself and not talk about Jesus Christ, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, cause there's just be, it's like, I have to build a brand. I have to talk about things a certain way. I have to, you know, and you and I have talked about this. There's an aesthetic, there's a, a quality of delivery. There's a intentionality to get better. There's a, there's a, a, a professional excellence and learning a, an art form or a craft that you have to work at over time and you have to be intentional about, and that is taking away from something else. But if we dilute it, and if we hide a couple keys, the key, you know, to it all in a sense, and where you and I have both elected is anytime that we try to keep it general, anytime that you try to make it appeal, anytime that you try to kind of be the one that leads somebody down the path in a better way than the truth, them hearing the truth can from, from God so by, by a fallen vessel like ourselves. It's, it's, that's where I feel like is that, that um, diluting down of it and even just the under, like from a pastor's perspective, like let's give some meat and and the people drinking milk are going to get something out of it you know like and and maybe the new members class is is milk you know and maybe I, he you're masterfully crafting it where it 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 ministers you know and that's what a pastor does i mean a pastor is before the lord you know getting an audience and bringing it you know and that's even why i want to be a part of and submitting to something here and now outside myself. Yeah. Something here and now bigger, not eternal here and now bigger, but it, it's a, a picture and a reflection of that, uh, now and, and that there's, there's strength in that. And there's, mm -hmm. there's, uh, things happen that wouldn't happen. And, and then, you know, and then when you're online, you're talking about the truth of the gospel, the gospel, we're not watering it down yeah. from, from what I see right now. And then let the, let the chips fall as they may, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's all being, uh, masterfully crafted by the maker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how much time you've got left, but, um, you know, uh, I did want to say, um, that I, I think that there's only one subject of any interest right now. And, um, and, and that's repentance. And I got, mm -hmm. and Doug pointed this out in a video, pastor Doug pointed this out. Um, I don't know, must have been yesterday. Like any any message, any Christian message now that doesn't include repentance, it's it's missing the point, right? At, at at this stage, at this stage, and I and I agree with him, and I agree with him. You know, like you have to like if you and the the um the um the the position, the presupposition that he was coming from is like, hey, uh, we're under God's judgment right now. Mm -hmm. it's not good it's not looking mm -hmm. good you know what i mean mm -hmm. like drag queen story hour you know coming to your local everything you know yeah. oh it, you know it was probably and it was partially in response to uh to the white house being lit up in um rainbow mm -hmm. colors for the you know the that bill yeah. that passed and 
you know, meanwhile, this was part of the video as well. You know, Trump's doing his NFT trading cards like, hey, cool, a proper response. That's what that's what we all wanted to see right now. Thumbs mm-hmm. up. And so like when when we have this parading through our country, like literally parading, actually, and you have the the people who seem to be the most popular for lack of a better word, leaders, you have mm-hmm. Trump doing his NFT trading cards. You have mm-hmm. Elon Musk, noted transhumanist, not mm-hmm. hiding. Like, yeah, he might be fighting for free speech within Twitter and revealing a lot of really dark things and praise God for that. But like, he's not a repentant believer in anything. He's a, a mm-hmm. vowed transhumanist wearing a Baphomet head and this is on his so the name of his Halloween costume was like servant of Satan or Satan's warrior or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And then you have, you have Kanye West, who's mm-hmm. clearly had a little bit of a break from reality, you mm-hmm. know, like he, he's not all there, whatever, whatever he might be saying, he's, you know, I don't think he's all there. And then who else do you have? Like Andrew Tate, mm-hmm. like become Islam, you know, like flashy cars and all this stuff. Like, and there's something missing from all of this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, of course, take the meat and chew out the, you know, chew the meat and spit out the bones for all of them, for sure. Not to throw all the baby out of the bathwater with any of these things that these men represent. But it's like when you have an actual man, Doug Wilson, standing up on YouTube in books, the dude, the dude released five books yesterday. He wrote them mm-hmm. last week. Like he's, in, he's incredibly prolific while leading a church, while leading a small town. And has a grown daughter that'll write a foreword to say that she can never remember a moment that he was too busy for her or a time he got angry. Right. You know? Yeah. He was in the Navy too. Yeah. And so like you have these, like you saying, the fractal even accounts of him from close people, people that have interacted with him and know him and even just him saying, I the the main case leveled against me is that I think that a repentant pedophile can get the bread, bread, body and blood of Christ. And I right. let you be a member of my church as, as somebody post sentence, post, you know, judgment, uh, made you confess all this stuff. And, and it's me ministering to one broken individual in my church with criteria. Sure. With, uh, safety factors in place and understanding this person's past has uh, ramifications for the way he is treated in the future. But I would, I will still minister to him as, as a, as a minister of the gospel and I will not sell him out and I will not make him not come to my church. And I'll take all these hit pieces to minister to one broken human because that's my job before God. You know, do I bar him from the table at this point? No, No, that's not what the gospel is about. and and also the 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 uh the world is going to judge it not based on this hierarchy and this authority and this calling they don't understand it and i don't care i'm right. going to minister to this broken person regardless of how many press pieces get written about me and very few people are going to sit there and listen to the 20 30 minute interview that Darren Doan did with him where they went right at it and explain and what's going on because a headline about Doug, Doug Wilson and pedophiles at his church is, 
dainty morsel going right down into the innermost bits. And a 30-minute article or a 30-minute YouTube is way too long a content to consume, right. let alone look up the scriptures that are quoted in it, let alone understand that you're not even there and you don't understand all the thing. And, oh, there's a bunch of men that you know he's accountable to as a session and there's grandchildren and fruit and all this stuff. Like, yeah. we are not judge. We don't sit in the seat and render a verdict on God's behalf. We don't. Mm-hmm. None of us do. Mm-hmm. You know, we can mm-hmm. think we do. At times, we don't. And we answer for what we do and, right. uh, and what we fail to repent for and what we hide in our closets and what we uh, refuse to acknowledge before our children after sinning. And that is what we uh, answer for. And then if you're a husband, you answer for your wife and you answer for your children's spiritual state and what you did or didn't do to bring that about. If you're a leader in the church, you give an account. There is stricter judgment. There is a higher standard applied to you, and there's more responsibility that comes with these different positions. Yep. But the principle of what you're responsible for in your lanes never changes. It's just there's still lines. There's still certain things that aren't yours. There's still things that belong to someone else, and you don't have to worry about that. And that's mm-hmm. why I guess the thing that I like about and about our, the circles that we run in is who cares in the globe or the macro eternal sense what color lights are on the White House. You know, the most powerful man in like in, in the sense of, of finality of this. Like, yes, it is. We should grieve mm. of the state of our nation. And, you know, but. They're pretending to be God, and we know they're yeah. not. Yeah, and that's a very dangerous state to craft a, a a golden calf for yourself and to bow down and worship it. Mm-hmm. And in some way, shape, or form, the earth is going to gobble you up, mm-hmm. and 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 you will answer, and mm-hmm. you should repent. And certain people need to be bringing that news to the stage. And anytime it comes up for us, like disavow, you know, but people were trying Never. to say that we should sue um, to worship, um, you know, get the right to worship, you know, what? and there was like, hey, let's do a, like a, like a, let's do a freedom of freedom of speech when they're trying to shut us down. It's like, no, we worship yeah. because yeah. the going, entering into that sphere of authority and thinking that you get to pronounce as a judge, whether Christ's body gathers right. and preaches and sings and prays and, and, and practices the sacraments, you don't have that authority. No. And by entering in, now, if, if we're sued, we'll defend and we'll hire attorneys and we'll make the city of Los Angeles pay us a settlement, you know, or whatever. But we aren't the ones that go and look for them to bless something that is clearly in God's domain. Right. <clears throat> and when they say, and I, my, my mom, you know, forward me, it's like, oh, the marriage act. Like, yeah, it's mirage. I love the way Doug says it. You know, you can, it's written in our being since the beginning of time, you know, uh, you know, forgive, forgive my crassness, but penises go with vaginas. And that's what I've heard. That's the only way you get a baby, you know, everything else, you have to take something that God did 
and manipulate it. You mm-hmm. can't start from nothing and do it. This is the only way that it happens. And this will sort itself out if we have our own, we have children and we raise them up in the faith and they kill theirs. It, it's, it, and it doesn't mean we don't advocate for the unborn. It doesn't mean we don't fight uh, a national campaign and your, your church is in the front lines of that. Literally. It doesn't mean that there aren't certain people that God has called to do that. There's not, doesn't mean that every one of us needs to be aware of mothers and brokenness around us and ready to minister to it. But this is the only time in history where we could be aware of what color the White House is in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, like in, in previous America, like you, you wouldn't know the war was over for weeks, you know, let, let alone what's happening on the other side of the globe. And it's just not healthy to know right. these things. And it, it distracts us from what is really our responsibility. And, and there is uh, um, a knowing and wanting to understand and understanding the battlefield and the lay of the land and stuff. But every time I see that, it's just like, it, again, you're, you, you're the most powerful man you know, in the, in the world, in the free world, whatever. And you think you can define marriage, you know, like you think you can pass legislation and overwrite what is woven into our DNA, but you are a special kind of stupid. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, two words made in America. No. So, well, well, here's the thing though. Like, look at, look at what Doug is saying versus these other leaders. So what is um what is what does Trump say? It's the liberals fault and Nancy Pelosi and all that, right? Okay. Liberals fault. And then what does Kanye say? The Jews fault. What is mm-hmm. um what does Andrew Tate say? Is it women's fault in in, in mm-hmm. many ways, right? Like who else? Elon, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know, the FBI's fault or Jack Dorsey's fault or or whatever. And what does Doug say? Doug says, no, it's your fault, Christian. It's mm-hmm. your fault. That is why this is all happening. And mm. because, because we are under God's judgment for mm. bad. Abandoning for, for, our post. For abandoning our post. And framed that way, no wonder no one likes to hear it. No wonder. You know, You've heard like, that Chesterton wrote into that paper that asked, you know, what is the problem uh, with humanity? And Chesterton wrote, uh, I think it is, Dear Sirs, I Am, was his essay. <laughs> like, like that dude and, out of control. And just that understanding that we can always go and find a speck in someone else's eye. Yeah. The log in mine is painful to remove, but is the one that is most necessary for me. And for those in my immediate circles to uh, be removed. That's right. And, and me seeing clearly is what I need to seek. I need to figure out how to see the world better from, from where God has placed me. And the only way I do that is in his word and fellowship with others that are, are like-minded and that can call it out in me and to like it and to welcome it. If it comes from my wife, if it comes from my brother at church, if it comes from an immature Christian, that's easy for me to discount because he's a little pudgy and he's not as old as me. And he, you know, I don't like the color hair or whatever the thing that's like, oh, is there 2% truth for this for me? You know, 
And, and that's, are we maximizing those opportunities individually? Um, we're not. And ultimately the culture is, and, and women and, and, and children and orphans and the, and the, you know, the, the downtrodden among us are bearing it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not men. I mean, men are for sure, uh, you know, more likely to commit suicide, mm-hmm. uh, all the things that we are, you know, Anthony Eslin talks about all the things that make us amazing also make us, uh, able to do, you know, worse and far greater out of that flip side of the coin. Um, and, uh, and we need to, we need to fight it and we need to be around others that, that keep us, you know, and use it, um, the, the, and under, remind us of the responsibility of that power and using it appropriately. Amen, man. That, that seems to me like as good a place as any day. Kind of end it. Sounds good. Cause yeah, I think you got a couple kids at home. All right. So where can, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, spearing.co has all the social handles at the top. Um, the spearing on Instagram, I think on Twitter, that's the same. Um, and then my podcast is, uh, life on target and essentially, you know, hitting the mark in life and is a, a sense me processing the, the most pertinent things in life that I'm facing in business and family and, uh, church and, and talking about it and dealing with it and prescribing, you know, what I'm doing and what others should be doing. And, you know, in a sense, I, I feel like, you know, I'm looking at you as, as a two year rent of men journey. And I'm wondering how in the heck in, in a year from now, am I going to even be at that level? I probably won't, but even just understanding that in, if I don't start doing the reps, I don't start showing up. I don't start writing. I don't start thinking about these things and don't start sharing mm-hmm. the aspect of the things that I'm learning. Um, then in my particular, um, point of view, I feel called to put it out on social media because, um, it's in the sermon on the Mount. It's talking about not putting your light under a bushel, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and, and putting it on a lampstand so that it may give light to the whole room. And as a Christian and, and from my particular experience, I feel called that, that those are the tools that I do that. Those are the tools that I shine the light from. Um, but mostly talking about that, how am I trying to do it locally and where I'm at with my wife and kids, with my church and my small business. And in a sense, you know, find the church locally that you uh, can resonate with the things we talked about earlier and then do it out of that um, and and not, don't, don't necessarily come to me for discipleship that you can get locally if you can get it. Um, but at the same time, there's been a bunch of people that have moved here, you know, not a bunch, but a couple handful of, of men and families that have moved here and are loving life. So if you are, you've really looked around where you're at and you're not finding it, hit me up. And, uh, and you know, it's a great place to be, uh, Southern Pines, North Carolina is a great place to live and raise a family. So come on. Um, and we love to have you. We drink, uh, we drink whiskey and cigar and smoke cigars Sunday nights after church, uh, Mm. on the reg, a bunch of men. Um, we, we have fellowship that the wives are jealous of sometimes because they're wrangling the hundred plus kids while we solve all the major problems, you know? Um, but it's, it's a beautiful fellowship and, uh, hopefully you find it where you are. And if you can't, 
Come on, let's do this. Send them all your way. Heck yeah. Well, man, well, thanks so much for all your time and for everything. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thanks, man. See you on, uh, see you on Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> see you on Telegram. episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.